How many, you're, whoever's you're talking right now, I don't know what you debunk, you're debunk. You're deflecting away from the point. Debunk. No, 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 you're but deflecting you, away you, from the point. How do you you're, parse, you're deflecting. You're, 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 you're the, deflecting. The you're deflecting. How many shots if, have if, you had, Debunk? Debunk. How many shots have you had? Debunk. Do that with. Can you post a meme? How many boosters have you? I prefer it in meme form. No, but it's funny. I would just prefer an answer. How many of you had the real truther? How many of you had? I, I, would, I would prefer. I would prefer if you. Oh, you have, you've had. Task, you've had your, zero. Your, your honor. You've had zero. The real truth. Your, your, your honor. Your honor. I, I, I would like the defendant to uh, stay on, stay on the question. Please. Yeah, you know. But here, uh, here, dude. I'm not. So, I'm not the so defendant. I'm not. If, I'm not the defendant. Malone. So if Dr. Malone can systematically be wrong on several. Yeah, well, topics, but, but, but you, you've just why, you've just why, baked why, in, you, you do know what a straw man is. How do you actually parse what is wrong? Okay, debunk. Thank you for presupposing in your question, loading it with Malone being systematically wrong. We disagree on that. How many shots are you up to? And okay, I, I, okay, okay. Let's 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 go through let's go through his specific claims. What specific? No, no, claims Dima, 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 we're not we're not doing right. that right now. You can have him on. and You can talk to him about that. How many shots I'm have sorry, you had? Peter, is this is this a science show or is this a show where people ask? Is how many this boosters a science? Uh, well, it's, it's a science show. Are you an anti-vaxxer? I want to know how many shots you've had. Why would you, why would you answer the question? We already why talked about that. Anti-vaxxer has nothing to do with how many shots you got. It has to do with what information you spread. Look, you guys, you guys are the you guys are the Prime example David, of insulting David, and accusing David, others of doing what you're doing, dodging David, questions, David, scalping. Debunk, how David, many boosters have you had? Simple question. David, what is how I many have, boosters do you have? I had, I had because I want to know. I want to know if you, hey, you guys David, talk a big let me, let talk. Let if it's answer. so safe, I want to know you're David, up here. David, 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 let me answer. Yeah, please, please, debunk. Go. If I if I had if I had a dollar for every time an anti-vaxxer asked me how many boosters I had, I would have as much money as you think I have. If if I was the shill, you think I am? I I, because I didn't call you but, a shill. But, I didn't call you a shill. Call and I, I don't give a shit what other I, 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 people let, ask let you. Debunk. That's not an answer. Let How many? Finish. Let okay. Me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. I don't answer that <laughs> question because it is useless, and I think it's entertaining <laughs> when people deflect from the conversation and keep asking me that. I know it's an amazing thing when people deflect from and, the conversation. And, and, so I'm going to deflect from and, the question. All right, debunk. You're, you're I, a brave man. You're a brave man. You want to tell people what to do with their bodies, David. David. Debunk. I, Debunk. Did, did, I did I tell you what to do with their bodies? Oh, yeah. You, I'm yeah, asking, no, he I'm just called me an anti-vaxxer. information when multiple people can get things wrong. Public health officials can be wrong. Dr. Malone has been systematically wrong. Systematically wrong. We've reached the end of the incident. You're a very brave man. Thank you for you answering. Don't want to answer. Oh, people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like, I'm not going to say it was my proudest moment of the week. Because I did just pull out a kid's tooth with a something called a faux bow. It was right up there. These MFers, and by the way, I'm saying MFers to do the more polite acronym for what I really think of them. I'm implying the word Samuel Jackson uses freely, but I'm saying MFers to be polite. Oh, that was one highlight from my Twitter space with scientists and experts. I, I mean, in, in as much as I might have, you know, lost my Twitter poll as to whether or not I won that debate. If I didn't expose these people for the demons that they are, they're not, you know, it's, it's a bit, scientists might know more and more about less and less. Experts, as Mark Twain once said, are people who know more and more about less and less. I like to think they weren't ready for someone who can actually take them down on their own premises. Listen to this one. So far we By the way, Taking them down on their own premises. These idiots, by the way, these, these bona fide, arrogant, pompous demons. You never submitted any links to your studies. No, because you idiots don't understand that what I did was presuppose the statistics of your studies. These experts, 
uh, submitted studies showing that the risk of myocarditis for the age bracket, I think it was 12 to 18 or whatever it was, you know, the, the young men was one in 10,000. Good. I, I mean, I disagree with you. I think you are in fact bona fide liars, but I will agree with your number. One in 10,000. What's an acceptable rate of risk? Hmm, simple question. So far, we actually agree. Okay. The, okay. He lied or got it wrong. The media lied or got it wrong. <laughs> they agreed on that. I don't know what he's laughing between about. hospitalized with versus hospitalized from COVID. The jab causes myocarditis at extremely high rates among a certain it's, age demographic. No, it's, it's, they're not extremely high. They're not extremely high rates. Okay, this is what we just... What would be extremely high for you? What, what frequency of adverse event would be what extremely would be, high for you? Do you understand? Because there's two claims here. One, it, there's an objective part of the claim. Don't leave it to scientists to understand language. That it causes something. And then there's the subjective part as to at extremely high rates. And I can agree. They don't want to say it's at extremely high rates. Fine. Let me know when the rates in your professional medical scientific opinion become extremely high. Is one in 10,000 not extremely high for this type of uh, situation? Very simple question. What is extremely high in your opinion? I mean, you're telling me one in 10,000 like it's a good thing. That's your number. Is that not an unreasonably high uh, rate for adverse events? Just a simple question. What, what, where do, what do you, where's your science that shows it's causing myocarditis extremely high rates? Well, no, well, you disagreed on the high rate. I'm asking you, what would be a high rate for you? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but, I, but I'm but uh, i not going to oh, like, oh, I'm you, sorry. you want me to show you this? Oh, studies? this guy's not a scientist? I remember one of these people saying to me, he's going to pull the whole, I'm not a scientist during this debate. And now the real truther is pulling the, I'm not a scientist. And yet I'm hosting spaces, telling people what to do with their own bodies when I've had zero boosters or shots were still ambiguous as to what he was talking about is a myocarditis are we going to go through every study are you, right now do you, are, do you not appreciate your inability or unwillingness to answer pretty straightforward questions i can tell you with 100 percent surety that it does not cause myocarditis at high rates okay you haven't defined what a high rate is yet that well, was the question well, you're the one that said it. you made the claim you have to back it up you and said you it disagreed. causes it at high rates so, so, you're right i made the statement you disagreed and now i'm asking you what would be a i'm high asking rate you to rate? back up your claim you, that's what you have one to in do 5, i consider one in five thousand to be exceedingly high okay 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 I want to wind down me and you because it sounds like we're not getting like to the place. Simple you question. Know, Simple wind question. it down, wind it down. Don't answer the straightforward question. What is a high rate of adverse event for you? Okay. Let me, can we just, can't you can't answer it. You can't answer it. The, va the vaccine does not cause myocarditis at a high rate. You but can't I answer a simple bloody question. The real truth. How do you dare call yourself the real truth? I will take the criticism that I need to calm down. I'll take it because if you think it's the first time in my life I've ever heard that, uh, welcome to the channel. Welcome to the party, pals. Uh, I, um, I can't calm down when I get excited. It's almost a, a truism. I don't want to calm down when I'm enraged. Uh, 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 enraged in battle. Maybe it would be useful for me to calm down. Maybe, oh, maybe if I'm polite and I just say, uh, talk like this and repeat their names over and over again. Maybe I'll get my message across horse crap. I'm sorry. I'm excited. I'm angry. And telling me to calm down is just going to make me more excited. And it's not going to work. It's in my DNA for good or for bad. I'm excited. I'm at, I don't know, whatever, the seventh gear all the time. Those people are putting us on. <laughs> The most insufferable group of people I've ever heard in my life. Go listen to the Twitter space. Yeah, I was excited. Yeah, I was excited because I'm dealing with experts who don't understand English, who refuse to answer questions, who try to force a debate style 
a debate strategy that they will necessarily win. Where's your study? Oh, you're gonna slap down studies during a, during a discussion when no one's gonna possibly read them? Oh, and then you put, give them a study. Oh, well, this one's crap. Your authorities are crap. So we disregard that and don't answer questions. You know how you beat someone? On their own premises. You defeat, you, you defeat them on their own premises. Oh, okay, you say that the risk of myocarditis for a specific age bracket is one in 10,000? I'll concede it, I disagree. That's your number. That's as good as it's gonna get for you. Is that not exceedingly high? <laughs> oh, by the way, to the question as to how many jabs those experts had had, the real truther said zero. It was in response to the question, how many shots have you had? He says he's had two shots, zero boosters. That was his explanation the day after. Okay, fine, I'll believe it. He's had two shots, zero boosters. You know how many boosters you're supposed to be up at now if they're so safe and effective, real truther? Eight. He's had two shots, zero boosters. Oh, and what was his excuse? He got, in, he got COVID a natural booster. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I heard Fauci say that natural infection wasn't any good. That the, you still had to go get a jab, even after being naturally infected. Oh, I, I thought I heard someone say that. Anti-vaxxer, real truther. The other dude, forget his name now. What did he say? Oh, I don't answer that question. You're, you're damn right, there's a good reason why you don't answer that question. And I suspect it's because you're a pathological liar. Good for thee, but not for me. And then he comes out the next day on Twitter and says, okay, I'll bite, I've had four shots. Good for you, you're a lie, I don't believe you now. See, it's nice that you had some time to, you know, think about your lie and you can answer in Twitter. Uh, via tweet, but you couldn't answer Viva Voce where I could assess the uh, sincerity of your answer. You've only had four shots? Anti-vaxxer, you're supposed to be up to eight. You know what the other amazing thing is? One of the other so-called doctors, so-called experts in that panel replies on Twitter afterwards that he got myocarditis from his first shot and that he went to do a stress test afterwards, after his bout of myocarditis, and he reached 180 beats per minute in his stress test with normal ejection. I forget what the exact term was. You're not supposed to reach 180 beats per minute. That is 100% of your beats per minute capacity at the age of 40, give or take. You take 220 minus your age. That's supposed to be the maximum your heart can reach, not what you're supposed to reach during a stress test. Even if you're 20 doing a stress test, they work your heart from 50 to 85%. If you reach 100% during a stress test, that's not a good thing. So one dude, real truther, anti-vaxxer, has only had two shots while he pushes it on everybody else. The other one refused to answer, I can only assume because he's a liar, and the other doctor admits to having gotten myocarditis. Hmm. Okay, safe and effective. One in 10,000 for one specific demographic, for one specific adverse event. Wow. And they, and, and they think that they won because I got too excited. Kiss my behind. Scientists. Speaking of health, by the way, speaking of health, <laughs> uh, I want to thank the sponsor of the evening. You may have noticed as you came in here, it said this stream contains a paid promotion and it does. I like sponsors and I like my sponsors, all of them. Fieldofgreens.com people. You want to uh, adopt healthy lifestyle habits? Uh, don't suck back on one of those disgusting chemical filled, sucralose filled, uh, soft drinks, diet, soft drinks, energy drinks. Field of Greens. It's a little known fact, although I think I say it quite frequently on the show, that you're supposed to have five to seven servings of raw fruits and vegetables a day. It's a well-known fact. Most people do not do that. Bad habits, fast food, oh, you know, I don't know, not processed greens, just processed food and no greens. Field of Greens 
is desiccated fruits and vegetables, not an extract, not a supplement. It's like, it's like pulverized vegetable jerky. In a spoonful, you stick it in a glass, you stir it around, it tastes delicious. One spoonful has one serving of fruits and vegetables with all of the antioxidant powers. Healthy habit, healthy for you, tastes delicious. It's USDA organic, made in America. The benefits as close as you can get to the raw fruits and vegetables in a drinkable format. You can carry it on with you when you go traveling and you can't find raw fruits and vegetables. One time I went traveling, I ended up like, 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 uh, like, what's his name? Like Dave Chappelle, the drug addict. I was like, like a, a subway. It's like, y'all got any of them raw fruits and vegetables? I'm like, yeah, we got it. It's like, put them in a dish, please. No sandwich, no bread. Just give me some of them vegetables. So when you're traveling, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, alternative uh, to resolve the difficulty of healthy habits. Go to uh, fieldofgreens.com. It takes you to Brickhouse Nutrition. 15% off your first order, and I'm fairly certain free rush shipping, but double check that. And that's it. Um, now, before we get going, I see Barnes is in the backdrop. UG Quadics is the car you record in an Audi, black leather and red stitching. I'm, a, I'm almost ashamed to say we retired the four-door, we, we retired the four-seater, two-door Jeep Wrangler and upgraded to a Ford Bronco. Made in America, baby. Made in, what was it, Dearborn, Michigan? Uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the coolest car on the face of the planet. I don't like cars and I don't like having, you know, nice things that you have to worry about getting dirty and scratched, but we needed a five-seater. The four-seater, two-door Jeep was magnificent. Hit 58,000 miles, started having some problems, and we bit the bullet and uh, upgraded. Viva, glad you got the logo. It was a unique project. Yeah, right there behind me. This one, it's right here. Uh, for everyone involved, also, the plexiglass was an afterthought. Don't feel obligated to display it that way. Oh, well, I'm going to hang it up on the wall one of these days, but it's right there. That beautiful piece of metal right where my finger is. Okay, now we got here. Ten Thank you very much. Ian, hey, Viva, did you see the new study showing the jab causes... I'm not, I'm not, no medical advice, no election fortification advice. If it happens with this one, what about the others? Zero hedge. Oh, that's not a, that's not a study. Go submit that. That's not a study. Show me your, show me your source data because you can trust the source data, right? Like the Pfizer trial source data where they just conveniently expel the Maddie DeGarys of the trials. Oh, these mother MFers. Why is, for, oh, that was from Ian. Thank you very much. Why has former President Trump announced he will not pursue retribution on charges against the deep state? Was this his plan all along, not a band account? We're going to get into it. Exactly. Speak your mind. Free speech. Um, and then we got about high rates towards vaccine injury. One in 10,000. Is that not double the chance of injury when compared to being hospitalized due to the coof? Dude, for that demographic, exponentially disproportionate to the risks of that against which you're allegedly, allegedly protecting. All right, Viva, I'm glad I didn't have to endure that insane spitter twice. But I'm now sure you should, you should have, I'm now, I'm not sure you should have either. They were seditiously not listening. I don't care, dude. They, uh, they, I don't care that they weren't listening to me. You know who was listening to me? The 1,200 retweets of that segment on my Twitter feed. Okay, Barnes is in the backdrop, everybody. Um, we're talking, we're talking good stuff tonight. I'm going to, no, I'll leave the, no, I have to take that out of the backdrop. Robert, sir, I'm bringing you in. I'm going to. Ask locals to tell me if the audio is adjusted so that people don't complain, but let me just bring him in. Robert, how goes the battle? Uh, good, good. Uh, okay, so hold on. You tell us what book you have behind you and what cigar you might have in your hands, and I'm going to go to locals and see what they say about the audio levels. All right. That's uh, by David Moranis. Uh, great biography as uh, we enter NFL playoff season when pride still mattered of the great Vince Lombardi. 
as the Green Bay Packers put the smackdown on the Dallas Cowboys and end the coaching career of Mike McCarthy. Uh, my prediction is that that will lead to an upgrade for the Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys will probably, if they're smart, will probably hire Bill Belichick, who recently retired, resigned from the New England Patriots. And he will get a, another Super Bowl with another franchise at the Dallas Cowboys. That will be my uh, prediction and forecast uh, for the uh, NFL weekend. And this cigar is uh, titled uh, Hiram, and, Hiram and Solomon. It's uh, known as uh, the Master Mason cigar. So uh, m- might be some ancestral tradition I'm recognizing in that cigar. That's a big cigar with dark-looking tobacco and a beautiful label on it. Uh, the audio apparently uh, is good, good, Robert. And we're up to almost 10,000 already on, um, on Rumble. And the link to go over to Rumble is in the pinned comment. For those of you who don't know, we start on YouTube, Rumble, and our community, vivabarneslaw.locals.com. And on YouTube, go over exclusively to Rumble. And then we have an after-party, after-show on uh, Locals. So you can come there afterwards. Robert, what do we have on the menu for the evening? We have the, the, the top topic chosen by the board was uh, all of the above. <laughs> uh, they, they, they loved them all. All good, good. Uh, the Trump immunity uh, that was debated before the D.C. Circuit with some uh, disingenuous questioning from and media coverage uh, from the court. A big, big vaccine win in the Freedom of Information Act context. Uh, I posted it on, as a as part of the Barnes Law School series at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. I'll, I'll debrief the Fifth Circuit oral argument had in New Orleans this past week on behalf of Children's Health Defense suing FDA over that same COVID-19 vaccine. We got three big cases up before the Supreme Court. One they heard oral argument on last week, or two of them, and one they're about to hear this week on Wednesday. Uh, the future of the administrative state is before the Supreme Court on the Chevron Doctrine. Uh, takings Clause and the Due Process Clause, uh, does it matter uh, anymore? Will it be enforced once again uh, against local and state governments? trying to control through permitting process what you can do with your own property. Uh, The confrontation clause, the right to cross-examine before the Supreme Court of the United States, particularly in the context of forensic science. Uh, Boeing, we got a Boeing class action over their little uh, airline, Alaska (laughs) Airlines. That that minor little, you know, piece of the plane getting sucked oh, off yeah, in real time. You're sitting in the exit row, you're thinking, hey, this is great to get a little extra leg room, and then boom, there goes the door. The uh, Harvard sued over anti-Semitism allegations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sad, tragic, and horrifying death of Gonzalo Lira uh, in Ukrainian prison. The uh, 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 We'll have an update on Amos Miller. Uh, COVID insurance coverage, what's happening with that in the courts. A couple of bonus cases. We got Fannie Willis up to some uh, no good. Uh, you know, preaching from the pulpit today, trying to explain that black women should have an exception, apparently, to the rules of ethics that govern the rest of us. The rights of the homeless before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Big Second Amendment win against the Biden administration about your right to uh, carry weapons on federal property, including the post office. Uh, Winner websites property, according to the Ninth Circuit. And the top question on the board, uh, to, the, to today's topic list, what about the uh, WHO treaty and its application in the United States uh, without congressional approval? So uh, we'll get to uh, most of those uh, live and we'll get to the rest on locals at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. For those asking about the Iowa caucus, I got betting predictions and recommendations up at sportspicks.com. 
www.locals.com, where we just won a big 5% play on the college football national championship. Won another big 5% play on the NFL wild card just yesterday. So if you want that inside information uh, about where you can make a little money on political betting and predictions, uh, you can go to Sports Picks. Uh, but uh, we can have some broader discussion of the Vivek aspect and the rest as we start off here on YouTube before we proceed to Rumble. Well, let's start with the drama of the day because it's going to lead into the other. We're going to do the Vivek uh, Donald Trump. What's the word? Not scandal. It's not a scandal. It's not a fight. It's uh, look. It's politics. It's dirty. It's disgusting. Yesterday, Donald Trump on Truth Social puts out a truth post saying uh, Vivek is, uh, what did he say? call him? A deceitful, sly, don't vote for him because, uh, you know, he started off as a good campaign and now he's just sneakily trying to get votes from Trump. I didn't understand or didn't think it was necessarily the most appropriate uh, criticism attack. Because all I had known at the time was the picture that, you know, he took a picture with a bunch of people that said, save Trump, vote Vivek. Okay, I can understand it. I still think it shouldn't have been done. There's allegedly, not allegedly, I mean, we, we've seen the video. I, I don't know who caught the video. I don't, I don't think Vivek is saying anything on his campaign that he doesn't expect to make it to social media. Like he's not whispering sweet nothings to one individual. I think Vivek might have just not explained himself properly or gotten a little carried away in the moment. There's a video of him saying, if you vote for Trump, you're basically voting for his demise. I want to save Trump, vote for me, because if you vote for him, you're actually going to hurt him. I need your support in Iowa. Go do it. Okay. Everybody knows that Vivek is running. He says he's running for president. And so it would be absolutely idiotic for him to say, don't vote for me. I don't want your support in Iowa. The question is whether or not it crosses an ethical loyalty line by saying, if you vote for him, you're actually voting for his own demise. Bring it over to my side. I can understand that argument. I still like Vivek, and I think he might even acknowledge his own mistake. Trump comes out with the attack. Vivek responds respectfully and almost subserviently, in my view, which leads to my vet bet. He's going to be the VP pick. I don't know what the odds are on that. Um, and that's the drama. Tomorrow is the caucus in Iowa. A, Robert, before I get your take on it, can you? I've never seen a caucus. What happens at these caucuses? Like, how does it work to get the votes? What does it physically look like? How long does it take? When are we going to know the results? What happens at a caucus in Iowa? It depends on the rules. So different years, they've had different rules about the caucusing process. Some years you've had to wait for a period of time before you could cast your vote, but whether everybody gets to make a presentation in favor of their candidate. There was vote swapping you could do in the past. There were thresholds you had to reach. And if you didn't reach those thresholds, then there would be another round of voting. My understanding is this year they've preserved that you have to you, you go in and you don't just cast a ballot. There are some caucuses that are indistinguishable now from a primary, that they're just done to be outside of the control of the state process. I mean, one distinct thing with caucuses universally is they're not controlled by the state government at all. Uh, and was, you, you go to a primary, it's the local government that is controlling the ballot process, the ballot counting process, the, everything about it making sure you're registered to vote and so on and so forth. The, depending on which jurisdiction you're in, you know, if you're in Taiwan, you do paper ballots, no mail-in ballots, you vote in person, you prove your identity, and then they count them in public and show the ballots to everybody. And they get it done within hours. Taiwan went with the anti-China candidate by a thin margin, uh, in a uh, widely watched election. Weird how that's held up as a beacon of democracy. And yet somehow that would be, totally anathema to democracy, according to Democrats here in America. 
But the in the caucus process, uh, your vote's usually public. It's not private and anonymous. Now, again, some caucuses are indistinguishable from primaries and, and don't go that process. But in Iowa, typically that you, you, you have to publicize your vote, uh, that you go in, people organize, they get together, people make pitches for their individual candidates. Then they do the first round of voting. You're publicly voting. My understanding is that in this Iowa caucus, this cycle, there's no minimum threshold to have to reach to meet uh, and that there won't be a second or third or fourth round of voting. That'll just be one round of voting. Now, I don't think they'll have Pete Booty Booty Gay Gay's special electronic system that managed to muck up Bernie Sanders' chance to win Iowa in 2020 uh, or Hillary Clinton's magical coin flipping where there were ties in caucuses. And uh, so she would win in any precinct where the coin flip was in her direction. And apparently people really had a strong sense of preservation of life. Uh, and she managed to win six for six and go perfect uh, in a coin flip uh, opportunity that the odds would say are something like 10,000 to one against that occurring normally. So the, uh, uh, so that's how the process works. Now it's supposed to be bad weather in Iowa where we're facing there was supposed to be an NFL game today in Buffalo, and they moved it uh, probably to the benefit of my profitable bets, but not to everybody. A lot of people were whining about it who already placed bets on certain things happening because it was such a snowstorm there in Buffalo. So was, if that continues, turnout will be a major factor. Now, my I don't know. My understanding is I don't think you have to have registered as a Republican to get there until you show up at the caucus. Traditionally, you don't. I don't know if they've changed that rule or not. And that's what Nikki Haley is depending on. She's depending on Democrat. The Democrats don't have any meaningful competition. And Biden has suppressed all efforts to meaningfully compete with him. So uh, you have no real Iowa Democratic caucuses, which means you could have Democrats, Democratic leaning voters vote in the Republican caucuses. And it looks like up to a third of the total people attending the caucuses are not Republicans. So the... uh, some are independents, but a good number are Democrats, outright Democrats. So, you know, the there's all kinds of shenanigans going on at the end. Hey, hold on. You got to ex- expl- explain that. Do they not have to be registered uh, re- registered Republicans to vote in the caucus? I, I don't think so. Typically, no. Historically, no. Uh, I've, I've attended Nevada caucuses on the Democratic side, and you only registered when you showed up, uh, The whether you wanted to, to, to self-declare. So the traditionally, I don't know if, I know in New Hampshire, I think they changed. New Hampshire should be totally open, but I think they changed the rules so you have to have registered a little bit earlier than normal because that's the same strategy of Nikki Haley in New Hampshire is that because there's no competitive Democratic primary, Biden's not even on the ballot on the Democratic side in New Hampshire because he was he rejected it because the Democrats didn't want Bobby Kennedy to win there. So that's why Bobby Kennedy and Bernie's an independent instead. It was clear the rules were rigged on the Democratic side. Uh, the the whole goal for Nikki Haley to do well is to get a bunch of people who are Democrats to show up at these caucuses. So that may happen. Uh, the other place where you get a lot of shenanigans, some of the shenanigans happened the week weekend before. Some happened the night of. I mean, Ben Ted Cruz did some shenanigans to steal some votes from Ben Carson in 2016. They you know, accidentally misreported the results in 2012 that suggested Romney won when actually he lost to Santorum. So there's a history of this, uh, of you know, interesting things happening once the caucuses commence. And then, of course, we've already heard stories that uh, people associated with various campaigns uh, have been calling up and saying, oh, or, or, who do you back? And the person will say Trump. And they'll say, 
oh, do you know, by the way, that the weather's really bad? You should probably stay home. You know, that that routine. There's going to be a lot of that going on. Uh, so the uh, you know, the, there's some in the DeSantis camp that truly think he's going to actually win tomorrow night. Uh, I publicly put out on Twitter. Uh, I'll. If you're that dumb, you need to be separated from your money, just just as a matter of moral principle. Well, it, it, it might it might happen if they're betting on it anyhow. But what, 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 it's obviously Trump, Haley, uh, DeSantis, Vivek in that order. Yeah, I mean, there, I think there's one minor candidate left that's on the ballot. Um, the Christie has dropped out now, of course. You know, Mike Pence has dropped out. Tim Scott dropped out. I mean, pretty much all those people have, have that were hangers on in the debates that we saw in California earlier in the year are gone. Um, Rubio endorsed Trump today. Uh, the other people have been coming out and endorsing Trump over the last weekend or so. Uh, so it's a kind of a last stand for DeSantis needs to be competitive, uh, needs to keep the margin between he and Trump down and needs to get a very solid second place. He has, according to people on the ground there, the best political organization. And again, historically, political organization has mattered. The polling has often been wrong in the Republican caucuses in Iowa because it underestimates the performance and participation of evangelicals, particularly church-going evangelicals. Trump notoriously you know, had a lead and then lost in, in 2016, uh, the Iowa caucuses. So the uh, uh, Nikki Haley, there's been a lot of money spent attacking Nikki Haley after she surged. I mean, her whole campaign was based on New Hampshire and South Carolina late surge in Iowa. So she started to compete aggressively there. Uh, DeSantis, uh, and then Vivek was surging in some public opinion polling. Uh, Richard Barris, People's Pundit Daily, showed him surging last week. Uh, uh, Patrick Basham, uh, UK Daily Express, uh, also has Vivek surging. Uh, And I think that's what precipitated. It was a simple political move on Trump and Vivek's part. Vivek saw he had a chance to finished you know anywhere in the in the second or third or close fourth so that the second would be kind of mucked up you know you have a bunch of people in the low teens mid-teens and that would be good for Vivek and I think he saw the opportunity so this whole mantra his whole raison d'etre of his campaign is they're going to take Trump out so put me in instead and so he just verbalized that uh more dramatically Trump looked and the question for Vivek's people was does Trump care more about a big win or does he care more about mucking up DeSantis and Haley in Iowa by letting Vivek eat into their votes? Uh, well, that question got answered. <laughs> Trump wants the big win. So that's why he came out and criticized Vivek. He was like, yeah, nice try, pal, but I want all the votes. I, you know, all all got to come to Papa Trump. I, I want 50%. I want 55%. I'd love 60%. I, 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 what I what I love is I, I, still in politics is dirty, but people should not say things that cannot be unsaid when this is all over. Trump's attack was very, very mild, deceitful. I think so, you know. I think Vivek might uh, say, "Yeah, I'm so, I, I shouldn't have said it the way I said it." Uh, and you know, well, I think it was a smart gamble on his part. In other words, you're looking at it. Maybe Trump won't mind because maybe he cares more about mucking up second place. What you have is you have three voting constituencies in Iowa. You have the Trump voters. You have what I call the non-Trump voters. These are people who have a favorable opinion of Trump, but are willing to consider someone other than Trump for a wide range of reasons. And then you have the anti-Trump voter group, that third group, many of whom are Democrats and independents who lean Democrat. The uh, Nikki Haley has, you know, Chris Christie campaigned toward this group. Uh, DeSantis was trying to benefit from them without being critical of Trump. He wasn't able to manage that well. 
And so Nikki Haley surged amongst that group. She became the favorite of Rupert Murdoch and his crowd at Fox News and the Murdoch media empire. Big media people behind her, big Democrats behind her. Uh, the LinkedIn guys, other people like that, helping to fund her campaign along with the Koch brothers. And so once the anti-Trump vote consolidated behind uh, Nikki Haley, uh, to such a degree that Rand Paul came out this past week and said he there's one person he'll never endorse for president, and that's Nikki Haley. The uh, because of that rise, that put DeSantis in a difficult. So what you have left is the non-Trump vote and the, the never Trump, anti-Trump, about a quarter of the possible electorate in Iowa, maybe more, depending on what happens with turnout. Because they're overwhelmingly upscale voters, they tend to turn out more no matter what. So even though they're low propensity voters within a caucus process overall, they're high propensity in a low turnout environment because of their socioeconomic background. Then you have the non-Trump vote, more middle middle class folks, your Steve Daces of the world, uh, which are a mix of people that used to be never Trump, then came on Trump, and now just don't think Trump can win. Your, your Will Chamberlain types are in this category of people uh, that have favorable opinions of Trump, but don't think Trump is the right candidate. Did uh, did you catch any of the interview with him on Friday? Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I've known Will. I met Will early in 2017, I believe, at a Mike Cernovich event up in New York. So the uh, uh, debated uh, Chamberlain on the pandemic, he liked he liked the Jacobson decision. That, that was a sign that some of his decision making is not the best. Well, he it. he's very eloquent. He's very intelligent. And he presents oh, yeah. the arguments very well. And, and yeah, I think he's, yeah, sincere. He's, he's all those things that I've never doubted his good faith. Uh, I've doubted his judgment upon occasion. The uh, but uh, but he when he says he was a Trump supporter, he actually was. He was a true Trump supporter in 2016. The uh, and is and on the anti-war side of the equation. He worked for a period of time for DeSantis, and then the campaign kind of ran out of money on that side of the aisle. But uh, uh, you know, the comes from inherited money, uh, uh, was uh, editor of Human Events for a little while. But yeah, very smart guy, very sharp guy, just, you know, judgment, not always ideal. Well, that, he, uh, a little bit too much of that, uh, 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 what do they call it, proper, uh, proper breeding. A little too much of that, I think. In the he, uh, at the very least, he was honest enough to say that he would, if if it's Trump, he'll vote Trump. Unlike many others on the team or the DeSantis camp, oh, who, yeah. or I don't know, I don't know what the purpose of saying it is. If it's not Trump, I'm not going to vote for Republican. Well, it, it's DeSantis kind of ran into trouble because, uh, that, and that's who Vivek is competing for. Vivek and DeSantis are competing for the non-Trump vote, and Vivek would like to get a few extra Trump voters. And Trump knows this, and Trump doesn't care about Vivek mucking up DeSantis and Haley. He cares about maximizing his margin. And so that's Vivek took a calculated gamble. It was probably worth it because it was the only way he was going to break into the mid-teens. Um, and it didn't work. But, you know, that, that's the nature of calculated gamble. Probability is not certainty. I think it does it all. If he had to do it all over again, he would do it all over again because it's the only way he was going to get into that sec possible second-place finish. And there was reason to believe that Trump might not care because to date he hadn't cared. He only said nice things about Vivek. But now that it's counting, ballot counting time, <laughs> Trump wants all I, the votes to come. My theory Trump. also, it's a little bit of a uh, big dog showing the little dog who's in charge and look at you. Uh, oh, be, yes. be subservient and not in, a, not in a, a demeaning way. So it's like, look, I've been through the ringer. We can do this. I, I still, I really think they're going to pick, they're going to go uh, VP with Vivek. Um, but I think it's well, like, he's like, I, I, I don't think you, uh, I, I do have a bet out there and pick out there as to who he's going to pick the, uh, it, it won't be any of the candidates. It won't be anybody who ran against him. It, it will uh, uh, this time around. 
did uh, the question I was going to ask you though is it going to be someone in politics or someone outside of politics? Someone uh, kind of both that has been quietly really uh, storming Iowa on his behalf and other places, and he fits a whole checks off a bunch of lists. He's gonna, and he's I, gonna... I think the decision's already been made. Just my read on this on the situation. But you can get this person as much, ten to one odds, twenty to one odds, fifty to one odds. I mean, really, people just aren't paying attention because he doesn't operate in the same place as the mainstream establishment said. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse. I was going to make a joke. He's going to pick Laura Loomer. That's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think. <laughs> is so. it is it Ben Carson, uh, Robert? Yeah, Ben Carson. That hmm. that's my pick. Okay. The at this point, it, it would have been DeSantis had he not been insane. Uh, and gone in this kamikaze campaign. I think everything predicted about that has come absolutely true. Uh, the and I think uh, I put out the forecast uh, on tw- on X. I don't want to, you know, dead name Twitter. Uh, I hear that's politically incorrect. I'm dead naming it un- until the cows come home. I do not like the word X for Twitter. I don't like it. Yeah, I understand. The uh, that's an old favorite of Elon's, dating back to his banking app ideas uh, before he was at Tesla. Even I think even before he was at PayPal, actually. The uh, so, but yeah, I is that uh, DeSantis may drop out before New Hampshire. Uh, that if he does not finish a strong second tomorrow night in Iowa, uh, DeSantis will drop out. Uh, he's um, not going to experience humiliating defeats in Florida in his own home state. He's not going to just sit around to get third and fourth and be beat up uh, in New Hampshire and South Carolina and Nevada. It's not going to happen. He put everything in Iowa. If it's a real low turnout, and the Democratic-oriented voters don't turn out, DeSantis can get a good, strong second. Um, but if that doesn't happen, he's in real trouble. Um, and, uh, you know, I put out certain bets, recommendations at Sports Picks as to how you can cash in on, on Iowa. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it, how it progresses. But I think that the, uh, uh, I, you know, the, I think, you know, Nikki Haley will be around probably for a, a good while. Uh, but she's not ever going to be the nominee, president or vice president. And Trump was, you know, calling her a globalist and things like that this past weekend in Iowa. You know, he's buying pizzas for firemen in Iowa. You know, he still has the best marketing instinct. Uh, I think Vivek has a has a future on the national stage, no matter what. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's established that and well, achieved that by his campaign. People are saying that you know he, Trump already said he wouldn't pick anyone that ran for you know ran in this primary. That was then, and things changed. And I think, I mean, look, I, I, a lot of people have been warming up to Vivek recently. He's been the most audacious, the most, uh, I think, having the most integrity of the other candidates in terms of, you know, uh, unabashed uh, condemnation of the persecutions, January 6th, the indictments. Whereas I think, you know, I, I would have expected. But if you're Vivek, you may not want to be vice presidential nominee. Mm-hmm. That you might want a different cabinet position with more authority, responsibility. If you look at how Trump wanted Pence to be, he wanted him to be non-existent outside of limited circumstances, and then be very loyal. And the uh, it, and it may benefit Vivek more in a different position if I was on his team. The one guy who has utterly killed his political future is uh, DeSantis. If he doesn't finish a very strong second tomorrow night, and I mean you know thirty percent. 25 to 30 percent within 20 of, of Trump. Uh, he 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 committed kamikaze or what, what do they call it? Not, not a, Harry, so Harry, they, Harry Curie. Yeah, he committed Harry Curie. You know, I mean, just uh, I hope the Murdoch money was worth it, Ron. All right. And I uh, had one last question before we head over to Rumble. Um, was was Vivek's was the, the video caught on camera? Was that 
an egregious transgression for you? No, not really, because that's been the whole mantra of his campaign. I mean, I mean, his campaign has been to appeal to the non-Trump voter and a few Trump voters as vote for me because they're going to take Trump out anyway. That, that, that's his reason for running. Well, I think his main reason is to boost his profile. And I think he's achieved that in spades. Yeah. So the, uh, I think the main goal he's achieved. The secondary goal he was never going to get. Um, you know, that just wasn't going to happen. The, uh, you know, maybe convinced himself at different times that maybe in this kind of chance and that kind of that that wasn't that was very unrealistic. Trump voters were going to rally to Trump under these circumstances. All right. Before we head on over to Rumble, people, excuse me, <clears throat> one last uh, one last uh, uh, seppuku. Maybe that's what it's also seppuku, seppuku is also that. But I think Harry Kiri, <clears throat> excuse me, is the same thing as seppuku. Seppuku. I, I'll have to Google that. Yeah. Um, Field of Greens, one last one. I just got a DM uh, on another platform that says, Viva, you're very skeptical of the what the scientists say about the jab, but not so much about you know, what they say about Field I'm of Greens. I'm not skeptical about the science. We'll be talking about what the oh. science really says. They've been we're hiding. Gonna, we're going to get there. All that to say is fruits and vegetables have been around for a lot longer than the jab, people. And, and we've, seen the, we've seen the results in real time. Field of Greens, promo code Viva, well, 15% Well, you know how you know off. Field of Greens is safe? The FDA doesn't promote it. <laughs> Well, it is, it is USDA approved, uh, organic. Okay, uh, f- fieldofgreens.com, promo code Viva. Thank you very much to our sponsor of the evening. All right, we are now ending on YouTube. Wait, no, before I do that, hold on one second. Shame on me for not doing this. Link to locals. And before I put my own poison in something, hold on. See, I'm going to fill this little um, wanted for president up with a little bit of uh, Uncle Val's wonderful gin. Uh, you can go to Viva Fry if you want to get some merch. This is, this is you know, obviously the coolest we've ever had. So go to VivaFry.com if you want some merch. VivaBarnsLaw.Locals.com or Viva Fry on Rumble right now because we are ending on Commutube. I mean YouTube. Ending in three, two, one, Boom. All right, Robert, what do we move on to next for our, I don't know what number we're on, but what's, what's next on the menu? Uh, we could, uh, you know, start with a range of topics, but I think a good one is uh, let's go right into the vaccine cases. All uh, right. The FOIA, Children's Health Defense, and the Attorney General Paxton suit. Well, let's start with the Children's Health Defense. Actually, Robert, I, I meant to ask you this privately before asking you publicly. You shared the link of your oral hearing with the, uh, it was the Court of Appeal, right? Yeah, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Fifth Circuit. Uh, you don't mind if I, if I rip that video and publish it? Oh, sure. It on... Yeah, no, okay, absolutely. Excellent, because I, lo- I love listening to you. One of those judges, I, I asked you, I, I made the comment, it was the one about halfway through, was, seemed very partial to the FDA, saying, you know, they, they were questioning what interest, what injury you've had. Um, tell people what's going on with that. You're, you're representing Children's Health Defense, and you're, uh, you're going after the FDA for their, uh, basically, approval, which results in this being pushed on children. Tell people what you're up to, what, what stage you're at, and uh, what it's like being in front of the Court of Appeals and having to talk to judges who clearly, some of which have their heads made up already, minds made up. Yeah, I mean, all we're asking for is to get to discovery and trial. Uh, that's it. Uh, the district court did not allow us to on the grounds that nobody has a right to sue the FDA but the drug companies themselves. And that's a very dangerous ruling for the, for the future of ordinary people who these agencies are supposed to be serving and protecting. So we took it up to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Three judges. Uh, Judge Haynes uh, comes from she's George W. Bush appointee, uh, daughter of uh, uh, of immigrants from uh, one from uh, from the Dutch, from Holland, from the Netherlands, another one from Egypt. Uh, extremely intelligent background. Both of them were scientists. They met in 
her parents met in a international school for the study of various scientific and mathematical aspects. Other family members became professors. Uh, father became a professor. I think she graduated very young and from college at Florida Tech, went to law school in Texas, uh, was the Bush political uh, machine, promoted her to state court bench. I think she lost an election in you know, the state court bench after she served a term, if I recall right. And then she was uh, elevated to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, has been there since 2008, uh, seen as a Roberts-style uh, judge. Uh, though, to be frank about it, a lot smarter than Roberts, in my opinion. Then uh, Judge Jones uh, is one of the most well-respected, one of the first women lawyers in the state of Texas, was appointed to the uh, Fifth Circuit by President Reagan, has been there for almost 40 years, is often talked about as a potential Supreme Court nominee over the years. Uh, she was on the panel, former chief judge of the, of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And then a new Biden appointee who had been a federal magistrate uh, who comes from law enforcement in New Orleans, uh, African-American woman, uh, could be a part of Biden's commitment to putting African-American women in particular on the bench. She was elevated to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, and so that was our panel. And the key question I wondered about uh, was, so the issue is legally standing. Uh, I've, I've made my opinion on standing quite clear. Uh, it drove uncivil law so crazy. He did a rant about it once. Well, your your theory on standing in this, what are you suing the FDA for specifically? So we're suing the Food and Drug Administration for mislabeling and mismarketing the childhood vaccine uh, by misusing and abusing its emergency powers as safe, effective, necessary as even a vaccine. We're, we're challenging that the fact they've changed the definition of the word vaccine. We're challenging the fact that they said emergency authority even gave them this authority. We're challenging the fact that they said there was no alternative therapies or treatments or tools available. We're all of those facts, along with the fact that they use Big Bird, use Elmo to tell little children and tell parents and caregivers and custodians, including of foster children, for example, in, in Texas, that was part of the group we were suing for, that this was uh, safe, effective vaccine that inoculated against COVID-19, both infection and transmission, and that it was medically necessary for them to get it because that these children faced an emergency that they claim still exists to this very day uh, from COVID-19. And that basically every single one of those statements was, was a lie. And that they knew it was a lie. They had no scientific basis to say any of it. That also in the process, we also sued them because we attempted to file a citizen's petition challenging this as the rules allow under the Administrative Procedures Act. And they refused to allow any citizen's petition as it related to children. So we filed a general one as it related to everyone, including children. Uh, and there they, they filed a, a response that was more dismissive than substantive. And we were uh, Children's Health Defense was denied the opportunity to even notice and comment uh, to any notice or an opportunity to comment on this, uh, on everything they were doing here. They're making multiple decisions that they have never made before in the history of the Food and Drug Administration. So extraordinary exigent uh, emergency powers used. So we're challenging their use of emergency powers under these circumstances. We're challenging their denial of notice and comment, their denial of citizens' petitions, as well as their substantive rulings. Uh, all of that, we were told, nobody can sue on. That the only party that's quote unquote injured, according to the district court, is the drug companies if they were denied 
emergency power, uh, permission. And that was one of the questions I forget who, I don't know which judge it was asking. He's like, well, what's your injury? Like in terms of, and you say, well, we have to divert funds to divert our attention. Traditional, yeah, organizational standing. Now, in my view, you have statutory remedies under the Administrative Procedures Act and the injury is denial of your rights. Rights for citizens petition, rights for notice, rights to comment, rights to have that process dealt with meaningfully. And in my view, the that provision of the APA enforces the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, the part that Justice Barrett forgot existed in the First Amendment during her colloquy before the U.S. Senate, uh, which is the right to petition the government for redress of grievances, uh, a foundational and fundamental right, and the first one discussed in the Declaration of Independence itself as being the one most misused and abused by the then king to justify the creation of the American government from its inception. And so, uh, but putting that aside, the other injury is the organization, organizational injury, which is a massive diversion of resource and a drain on resource. But is, is, has that been recognized as standing? Because anybody can make oh, yeah, yeah. their oh, organization. Yeah. That, that, okay. For more than 50 years. So that if you're an, or, in other words, it, all of this is ridiculous in terms of what standing means. Standing is an interpretation of Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution that says the judicial power shall, not can, not may, shall, mandatory, shall uh, uh, be over any cases or controversies concerning certain subject matters, such as when the any United States agency is a party. That, that I mean, clearly this is a case or controversy within it. Does it even case and controversy? It says case or controversy. So, uh, but beginning about a century ago, Supreme Court invented out of plain cloth this idea that, oh, you know what? Uh, we can just refuse to hear a case claim we don't have any judicial authority over it because it's not really a case or controversy under this new odd doctrine we're going to call standing to sue. Uh, legal scholars have noted how historically antithetical this is to actual American legal history, but many of the most conservative courts have embraced it because they want to prevent liberal organizations from suing. So standing has been a political, two things, a Pontius Pilate style political pretext to avoid making a judgment on the merits. Uh, and saying, golly gee, we wish we could say something or do something about this fraudulent election or this rogue government action, but we don't have the standing to do so. The second, so it helps them avoid cases precisely because of their controversial character by pretending it's not a controversy under the Constitution in the first instance. The second thing that's happened has been politically motivated. Liberal group, liberal judges don't want conservative groups to sue. Conservative judges don't want liberal groups to sue. And this is why you co constantly see conflicting and contradictory rulings about standing, often by the same courts and even the same judges on those courts. If they like your case, suddenly you have standing. If you, they don't like your case, suddenly you don't. Now, credit to Judge Jones, she was like, we need to have one principled standard for standing. And as she pointed out at the oral argument, uh, we actually cited the supplemental authority that she requested we cite to her the next day, uh, which details that, in fact, other the court Fifth Circuit just recently said an organization doesn't have to be the directed target of agency action. But if they spent any money because of the government's action and they wouldn't have otherwise spent that money, that's that's it. That that the, and that's here without does that, doubt. But does that include spending money to sue them? Like I mean, you could no, not the money to okay. sue them, but any other money that led to the basis okay. to sue them. So here, 
Children's Health Defense had to expend extraordinary resources, divert its entire organizational purpose to this because of how significant and substantial it was and because the FDA turned from, at least in principle, ally to adversary uh, about public. about It's all about what's Children's Health Defense about protecting kids' health. What's the best way to protect kids' health? Informed consent. Uh, contrary to what one of the judges tried to say, the goal was not to keep children from having access to medicines. It was to assure their informed consent about those medicines. And so the uh, so Judge Jones was on top of it uh, and asked a lot of sincere and basic and straight that were kind of if you under we had researched all three judges before we got up on that, before I got up there. And the Judge Douglas generally doesn't ask many questions or oral argument. So but several of the decisions that I cite uh, that tend to be pro liberal organizations, but they were cases that she was part of. And it, in other words, if she's going to take away children's health defense standing to sue, She's going to be undermining voting rights organizations' authority to sue, dis uh, or discrimination rights organizations mm -hmm. to sue. Does she really want to do that? Uh, is there is there really a principled basis to do that? Uh, for Judge Jones, if we're going to have a consistent standard, then CHD clearly has a more compelling case to standing than other ones that the Fifth Circuit has already granted standing to, as she herself acknowledged. And then with Judge Haynes, at least she was honest. She got right to the bottom of it, which was, she likes the, I mean, in my interpretation, many people's interpretation of her arguments, she likes the vaccine. And she was bothered by the idea that if we were successful, the vaccine might not be available for kids. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's only true if a federal court determined it wasn't safe, wasn't effective, and shouldn't be available for kids. So as the point I pointed out, it's like, you, know, you really think the federal courts are going to do that unless it's absolutely the case that the kids shouldn't get it? Well, because that was that was the part where you, she says that to you and you say, well, that would only be after we get to a hearing on the merits. Whereas right now I'm even being denied that right to get to the point where uh, right. uh, the finding might be that it's OK. So, you know, the and I think that's your Roberts kind of jur jurisprudence is a deference to a lot of agencies uh, in general. She's not as deferential as Roberts is. But the uh, in reflects uh, a lot of your professional managerial class types as a class of people, lawyers, doctors, et cetera, uh, your post-college master's degree type people were the most uh, enthusiastic about mm -hmm. for this vaccine, uh, despite the mounting evidence that says otherwise. So we'll see what the court does. If we do not get a satisfactory ruling, we will be petitioning the Supreme Court, because that would, in my view, create a conflict between the circuits on a critical issue of public policy concerning when an organization has standing. And as important, uh, maybe more important, as I reminded the court, this is about extraordinary use of emergency powers. And the position of the FDA is that the emergency is that if all they have to do is say, we use this in the name of our emergency powers, and under their position, nobody can ever review them, ever, for anything. And it's like, is that what we want to be at? We're, we're four years into this so-called well, emergency. That, that, that was one of the things these kids that never faced one from COVID to begin with. That's what you said. It's like, wh when is when does the emergency end? And what is the evidence of the existence of an emergency requiring this for six months and up? How long do they have to render um, to render decision? It, it varies. So uh, anywhere from you could get a decision as quickly as a month. Uh, it could take up to a year. Uh, okay. So it, it depends on what's happened behind the process. But it, the what was interesting is the same week, 
another federal judge in the Northern District of Texas in Amarillo issued a major decision that supported, substantively supported our position, which was about how this was a coercion campaign by the government to try to force this vaccine on people, that the same, you know, the uh, CDC and subdivision of the FDA was supposed to be gathering through a program called V-SAFE, mandated by Congress, just like VAERS, to gather safety information, find out just how safe everything was. They asked people to send in text to give them well, details. So this, this, the V-SAFE program uh, is much more, not what sort, it's not much more extensive. It's much more thorough, much more detailed because they do like daily testing or you text in your symptoms or how you're feeling, good or bad, daily, and then uh, weekly and then over the course of months. Um, they took your text number, they would send you notifications, and this was intended to follow, to track people's responses to the, the jibby jab. They got, so it's a little different than Varus, which is Varus is only reported in the event of an adverse event. This was just tracking 7.8 million people, right? Give or take. Yeah, 7.8 million texts. Um, and what was extraordinary, for example, that had already come out in the Informed Consent Action Network's lawsuit brought by Del Bigtree and Aaron Siri concerning the Varus data, was that a bunch of that VAERS data had been improperly... What was happening, CDC is getting all this information and they're selectively giving pieces of it to their preferred scholars who are printing bogus studies based on it. And they don't want the whole world to see the actual data because when they got a sneak peek at the VAERS data, what, what was being published was it was less than 1% adverse events. In fact, the adverse events was over 25% of people were reporting adverse events. Adverse events to the degree that they were saying they were disabled from work for a period of time, for example. That's the kind of thing that qualifies as an adverse event. It's not just my arm is sore. I feel a little sick today. It's I can't couldn't function for a week. So the, uh, well, apparently the texts are much more damning because if they were favorable, they would have made these easily accessible. So they, they, it's a uh, government program, and then a petitioner. It's an I don't know. It's an activist organization. I don't mean demeaning. It's me, a but... doctors that are concerned about this particular about how safe and effective the vaccine actually is. And they want they want the the they just want the data that they've been collecting through uh, whatever this mandated uh, uh, V safe system is. And they say no. They just stonewall them all along the way, and ultimately. Um, they got, uh, they, they, they succeeded on their motion to compel documents. But Robert, it's funny, you mentioned it, like, you know, Veris or the, the CDC, whoever, they released data piecemeal and most favorable data under this decision. If I just bring up, it's going to take a year regardless. Hold on, window. Uh, I think it's this one right here. It's going to take them a year to release all of the, all of the, te the text messages here, 780,000 per month. And basically, they have to start doing it in pieces starting next month. But now, Robert, and, what, what I mean, is originally, by the way, this is FOIA. This is a great case for understanding the whole FOIA process using the Freedom of Information Act. Here they can't claim you don't have standing. It's one of the great tools of FOIA. The courts haven't tried to intervene because the court Congress has made clear you absolutely have the right to sue for this information. This is uh, your statutory rights. But the key here is that uh, the, 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 they said, you know what, there's some private information in there, so we're not going to give you any of it, even though the, they admit now, over 90% of the text has no private information in it. And the judge is like, why aren't you disclosing that? And they're like, oh, it's so time consuming. It's like, that's not that time consuming. So they you got, just turn it over. They got 13, 13 employees working with them. But Robert, like you, you jokingly, or I guess cynically 
uh, observed how they released the, the favorable data. They're going to release these, you know, month over month. And within a year, they'll get them all. They're just going to, I mean, is there a risk that they just release the non-incriminating, non-damning text messages? I mean, we'll, it, we'll see. It, it's the, the way it's supposed to be done is done is almost kind of random. We'll see if they try to algorithmically manipulate. But sooner, but I don't know how much it would help them because by within a year, they have to turn everything over anyway. And what's what's going to come out out of this is there have been far more reports of far more injuries than anybody knows to the CDC. That the CDC has been hiding the same kind of things that Pfizer hid and the FDA hid. And it's the main reason they don't want Children's Health Defense to get to discovery. Because Children's Health Defense would be entitled to all of this same information, but more pertinent as to children. And my guess is what we will find is that, I mean, the, the level, the expected level of complaints and adverse events was one one hundredth of what we already know. My guess is it's even worse than we even could anticipate. Brett Weinstein was on with Tucker Carlson saying, you know, that, that, that he has reason to believe there's as many as 17 million deaths globally from the vaccine, not even reaching disabilities, not even reaching long-term uh, uh, death, uh, deaths that are yet to happen. But because of myocarditis, as, uh, as, as Dr. Peter McCullough has, has talked about and discussed in multiple public hearings, is, is skyrocketing at a rate we've never seen. Excess deaths, as Edward Dowd, who we interviewed, still not explained in, the, uh, in any of the available data. You, and, and there's a correlation between those excess deaths and those deaths more than expected and when the vaccine was rolled out. And then on top of all of that, you have these medical conditions where the death's going to show up five years, 10 years, 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. I have a client you know, whose father uh, in Canada uh, apparently got uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, mm-hmm. from the vaccine and then the hospital by the way it's I, apparently it's a hospital that serves a lot of uh, jewish people uh, i guess it's a jewish hospital so to speak in montreal has apparently been trying to cover this up and give people secret payments so that they don't go public with how disastrous the vaccine rollout has been in canada so there's a, this massive and that's what i finished my chd presentation with uh the chd versus fda before the fifth circuit was to remember that, you know, go back to 1970s when we had a public health disaster. Do, do, do we want to be here five years, 10 years from now and saying, golly, gee, oh, I wish we would have done something a little sooner. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, that's it's, what that's what's being revealed. That More and more data is showing that the vaccine is not safe, not effective. It's not even a vaccine. It doesn't immunize or inoculate. One of our CHD claims against FDA was the illegal redefinition of that word without notice and comment opportunity mm-hmm. and without any scientific foundation or basis to mislead the American people who think it inoculates, who think it immunizes when it doesn't, uh, as they Pfizer admitted, they didn't even really test for it effectively. That's what Brooke Jackson's case is all about pending before the uh, Eastern district of Texas currently is the lies that Pfizer told to get that vaccine. Uh, I think what we're going to find is more and more damning evidence of the, of the greatest public health scandal in the history of this country. And the only question is, will our courts, allow us to have a meaningful hearing or trial on it or not. I'm going to pull up that Open Veris again. Uh, Open Veris is, is, from what I understand, it's a website that basically automatically tabulates the claims that have been made through Veris because Veris is unusable to somebody who doesn't know how to use it. And I think this is up to date. I'm just going to see it. Through November 3rd, 2023, you had adverse events reported, 2.5 million. Nearly 37,000 vaccine reported deaths. They are not confirmed. But how, how they could even investigate 37,000 claims and, of death. 
and, and the problem, and we have evidence, uh, you know, my uh, colleague Warner Mendenhall in the Brooke Jackson case is bringing cases on behalf of hospital whistleblowers where they were told not to do the VAERS reporting. So they, that so we have reason to believe there's been systematic underreporting of VAERS data, not overreporting, and that historically would match. On average, VAERS uh, only reports 10% or less of the deaths or disabilities that occurs when they've done studies about comparable circumstances. So you're probably looking at closer to 370 to 400,000 people who died in a vaccine just in the United States just in the last two years. And there's going to be many more. Uh, and again, uh, look at Edward Dowd's disability data that he continues to track from insurance companies uh, that shows that the disability rate is rising in a rate that can't be explained by anything more compellingly or persuasively than the vaccine is the cause of it. And so the, this happened because we didn't hold public health agencies to account because our courts ran and hit uh, credit to organizations like Children's Health Defense, who took the lead, taking on difficult cases, taking on novel circumstances, taking on a lot of political opposition. And as I pointed out in the FDA case, the, the FDA di directly censored Children's Health Defense when they tried to tell people the truth. They removed them from Instagram. They removed them from Facebook. They suppressed their reach to their own members. They tried to cut off their ability to raise funds. And then they ran libel campaigns against the founder of Children's Health Defense, Robert Francis Kennedy Jr. So, you know, the, uh, the this was coordinated in an effort to cover up the greatest public health scandal, maybe in the history of public health agencies ever. It's it's amazing because I, I from last I recall, uh, I think 600 million, give or take, doses were administered in the U.S. You just divide that based on the number of claims and you get one for every 250 doses, give or take. You have a death assuming that not correlated hasn't been proven i don't know how you can investigate 37,000 deaths one per 17 and a half thousand death reported based on the numbers it's just it's it's absolutely abhorrent yeah. and the people like richard barris was a people's pundit daily uh you know he'll have a monday live show during i believe during the iowa caucuses the uh he his polling data was reporting this very early that one out of 20 people were reporting disabling injuries severe adverse events from the vaccine within six months of its rollout. And, and all of us know people uh, in, in, our, in our, our personal world. Just you know, think about your personal world. How many people do you know within six degrees of separation that have suffered disability or death from the COVID versus disability or death from the vaccine? Hey, Robert, what, Everybody of, knows more people that have suffered disability or death from the vaccine than COVID. One, one of the six doctors I was debating with got myocarditis from his first shot, according to his own admission, which was a very, very big one to make. Oh, lordy, lordy. It's um, okay. There, there will be a uh, there will be a judgment day of sorts, but we'll see when yeah. it comes. When so, they start, when they start. Self-defense for continuing to fight the good fight and credit to all the people out there continue to do so. And the one in five of you out there who uh, are above average, like the members of the Viva Barnes Law .locals.com board who never got vaccinated. You're feeling pretty good about that decision, no matter, despite all the crap you had to go through in the interim. Oh, all right, Robert, what do we, um, what do we move on to now? Oh, just briefly, Attorney General Paxton brought suit against Pfizer for its mis misleading information, misinformation to the people of the state of Texas. Uh, and immediately Pfizer removed the case to federal court and are claiming they have special immunity from the federal government. So, but they didn't transfer to the Eastern District of Texas where a case is currently pending concerning them. I wonder why. Uh, maybe they didn't want to see that combination in front of the same federal court. So the federal court have to confront what they're really up to. Right, uh, by the way, we're at tw we're over 20,000 on Rumble. 21,000, I missed the 20,000 marker. Drop a comment and hit the thumbs up. 
Not that it makes uh, much of a difference. Uh, the question I was going to ask you, Robert, why hasn't there been a class action lawsuit against Pfizer for false representations to artificially inflate the value of the stock? Oh, I think that may be coming. So the there have been some of us that have been, you know, that anybody out there that feels that they were lost value in the stock because of Pfizer's material misrepresentations or the same with Moderna, I believe have a class action basis to sue under the uh, SEC laws. I think that will at some point happen. And then, you know, we're all looking at uh, ways to bring re re uh, claims for relief or remedy uh, through either the judicial process or legislative process uh, for those that have been injured by this. I mean, Brooke Jackson has said that if we are successful in her case, that the amount of damages awarded on behalf of the taxpayers that go to her, whatever portion that is, she's going to put aside entirely for the victims of the injured. Look at this. So, one. you know, the, uh, uh, but it's terrifying that that remedy isn't easily available right now. I'm just looking at this now. I never, I mean, I'm looking, we're, say February, March was when he said 100% effective. And then within a year, bam, you go from, what are we at, 35 to 50, nearly 60. And where are we at today? Oh, 28. Maybe because you made false representations as to the uh, efficacy and effectiveness of your major and it, only product at the time. And now people are left uh, holding a bag of shit. It's a credit to all the people in the court of public opinion. I sometimes get pushed back on that and say, oh, I'd, you know, the doomers. Uh, tell me that it doesn't matter, uh, that it doesn't impact things. Uh, that's wrong. I mean, like, yeah, is Brooke Jackson's case uphill? Sure. Uh, is the children's health defense case uphill? Sure. Some of our vaccine mandate lawsuits on religious harassment grounds, are we running into hurdles or Nuremberg grounds? Yes. Do we have judicial hostility we have to overcome? Yes. But the net effect of all of these claims and the public discussion of these claims and the public discussion in general of the issues revealed in those has led to a dramatic decline in the uptake and use of the COVID vaccine, particularly amongst young children. And in my view, uh, the actions of people like Brooke Jackson has, no matter what the judges, whether they do their job or they don't do their job, uh, whichever is the case, the court of public opinion has reached enough people to save millions and millions of lives. Um, and the fact that Pfizer's stock has dropped in half is and just an added bonus. And I hope they get sued for it and they get bankrupted because they're right. the biggest criminal drug dealer in the world and their executives belong behind bars. Clawback from the veterinarian who, for the first time ever, I, they, they say mRNA. I'm very skeptical, but they're very convincing. And uh, I'm a vet. And trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I feel like Adam Sandler actually doing the goat. Okay. Uh, is that it? That's it on the vaccine stuff? That is. Uh, right. Now we've got the big cases that, uh, you know, we talked about some of these cases might reach the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, we got some big additional cases now before the Supreme Court that are going to shape the future of oh. your rights to defend yourself, uh, your rights uh, against the administrative state, and your rights to keep your property from various scams and schemes local governments get to try to steal it from you. Well, before we even do that, I, I'm I'm using the shot glass, but I'm look at this, people. Did anyone see this? This is on. It made it onto the Florida Man website on Facebook or the Flo how it started. That's me in Quebec. How it's going? That's me in Florida. All right, um, let's do. I guess we could do. The, let's do the Second Amendment case. It's um. This is a. He, he was a um, uh, a post office employee, correct? He was a, exactly. He was a worker. A, a worker carrying a gun 
at his place of business, uh, arrested, apparently resisted arrest. So he's got two charges, one of which was one of one of which he succeeded on. I don't know what they're going to do with the resisting arrest, but basically told he can't bring a gun into the post office. Um, I guess resisted arrest was arrested and yeah, I took it up to the that was a Supreme Court decision, or was it? No, a that was a federal district court. Decision. Okay, sorry, um, but it's one that, along with all these other Second Amendment cases, probably they're going to have to hear another one because of all the split decisions by various judges trying to find ways to escape the reach of Bruin, uh, and the uh, and then those judges properly applying it, enraging governments who probably will appeal their uh, their rulings too. And so we all know we've talked about Bruin and then we've talked about how the states are going to do whatever the hell they want. You know, Joe Biden saying we're not we're just not going to follow the decision because why would we separation of powers? Uh, the, the rationale, the reasoning in this was to overturn the charge on the possessing a gun in a post office. They go yeah, he's through being the, criminally prosecuted, They're trying to put him in prison for this. The and they go through the historical analysis and they say back in the days of the founding fathers, this would not have been a location where one would be expected not to bring a firearm. And they basically overturned that charge, but left, I, I think they've left, um, they've left the resisting arrest charge uh, for adjudication. Right. I, I've asked you this before, but you know, enlighten the Canadian schnook. What, like, why would a post office not be a protected area, but a school would be? Or like, wh- how did that work oh. back in the day? So, I mean, historically, the only protected areas were uh, school playgrounds at various times, but not always. It used to be, it used to bring your gun to school pretty commonly until the 1950s, 1960s. There's only three areas where there were any state laws limit at the time of the founding or at the time of the passage of the 14th Amendment, under which applies these laws to the states, that uh, limited gun possession. That was courthouses, legislatures, and the polling places. That was it. And the concern was in those contexts, worry about intimidation. Mm-hmm. So that, that was it. And th- those are the only places. Uh, and, and by the way, th- that was not the majority of laws. Most states had no such legal restrictions. And several states required you to bring a gun to the courthouse, required you to bring a gun to the polling place, required you to bring a gun to public places as a means of enshrining in- safety because they recognized is look at our school safety shooting, uh, school shooting epidemics, that when we had guns in schools, when people brought guns to schools, we didn't have school shooting epidemics. It's when there's not there. Wherever there's a gun-free zone is where typically there's a mass shooting, not in the places where they know folks are carrying because they'll be dead before anybody else is. So the, uh, you know, the jokers of the world, that they go to the places where there is nobody else carrying. The, and so the laws, what was extraordinary is what the Biden administration was attempting to do. And this goes to an old concern of, you know, the what people in the truth would call the truth and taxation movement, their critics would call tax protesters, have long complained about, which is that the federal government is trying to claim that wherever they have jurisdiction, uh, particularly territorial jurisdiction, such as on federal property, that almost magically the whole Constitution disappears. And the Biden administration took that position. They said you have no Second Amendment rights on any federal property anywhere. So all the federal government has to do is declare something their property and boom, Second Amendment gone, according to them. This court said that's not the, that's not consistent to the Second Amendment. There's no exception for federal property in the Second Amendment. 
And in fact, these laws governing about not being able to take it on federal property, they didn't exist until 1964. They weren't passed in any regulatory form until 1972. There were no such restrictions until then. And again, as I noted, it used to be required that you carry a gun in those places as a means of enhancing security, individualizing law enforcement, if you will. Much of the Second Amendment was intended to strip the power of the state from a concentrated standing army or police force and give it instead to the ordinary individual. The, uh, so this is a great ruling, not only because of the post office and the rest, but it's a great ruling because it blocks the Biden administration's attempt to carve out a huge exemption and exception to all of our constitutional liberties uh, just by calling something federal property. Um, but what's going to happen with his resisting arrest? Like, I mean, if you break the law when you're being unlawfully persecuted, I guess. Historically, you can still be prosecuted for that. So the dude might say something. He might still see jail time. Although don't resist arrest. Look at that. He would have been, it would have been a total victory. Get arrested, take it to court. Would have been a hundred percent victory. But Robert, what is the issue? Like how much clear did it have to get after Bruin? And what are you going to do when the when when the authorities well, you got say- courts in Illinois saying that doesn't apply to machine guns, doesn't apply to <laughs> assault weapons, doesn't apply to any public setting. I mean, you, you, of course, just utterly ignoring the the Bruin decision. Uh, so you have a you have cases extending it logically and correctly, but to the outrage of liberals and anti Second Amendment people. So they're going to be appealing those cases, and then you have liberal judges eviscerating it, try, ignoring it repudiating it functionally and the 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 gun advocate second amendment advocate folks are going to have to take that to the, to the supreme court they're going to have to make a second ruling to hammer home that this is in fact we they meant what they said they meant before we get into chevron i realize i haven't done this all night yet i i, I accidentally refreshed so i think i lost every rumble rant before these four and i'm, I'm sorry about that for whoever did it fleet lord avatar says for freak's sake, stop using an anti-American Google-manipulated deep state search. No, Fleet Lord, if the, if, if the deep state-manipulated Google gives me uh, favorable result, search results, well, then I know it's got to be even more true. But I do check from everywhere. But yes, Google is, unfortunately, the reflex. James Gartner says Vivek said he'd pardon or commute Ross Ulbricht. So that gets my vote. It's not just that he might do it. He said he would do it. And that, yeah. I mean, he's, well, saying- he's putting issues, ideas, causes out there that are good mm-hmm. that I think are contributing to the court of public opinion. He says, not that I trust any of them government. Yeah, but he's saying it, which is already risky enough. Imagine saying you're going to pardon the January Sixers. DeSantis will contemplate it. Good for him. It's the right yeah. thing to contemplate. V- Vivek will do it or he says he'll do it. But saying it is still big. Ian Bridges. Uh, hey, it's me again. Find out how many jabs they apply to each person. For small blocks, it's less than two. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's funny. Even with my tetanus shot, it's one every 10 years. It's an amazing thing. Third eternal truth, Winston did not shit himself. He didn't. Pudge. No, there's no poop here. We're, we're a touch wood. We're, we're, we got a clean uh, office studio. All right, Chevron, Robert. So Chevron, it's funny. This is one of the decisions that I remember discovering through the vlog, which I'm bringing back, people. I do the car vlogs. They may not be as elaborately edited as before, uh, but I shoot them off my iPhone. I edit them when I'm with the kids, and it's like it's it's productive time. Chevron was the original deference to the administrative state. Um, these administrative bodies that are federally created, uh, they get to make their own rules, they get to interpret their own rules, and they get to apply their own rules. And everyone else is just left eating proverbial government uh, shit. 
And the case that's bringing this one to this is this is the one that's going to the Supreme Court. Yes. Oh, yeah. In fact, the Supreme okay. Court will have hearings on Wednesday oh, that's on two good. major cases concerning the Chevron doctrine. One of which I'm going to forget the other one, but one of which, because I, I find it particularly obnoxious, is this fisherman, uh, the seas, you know, they're, they want to make sure that fishermen are fishing properly. And so they they require by law that they have government officials on their boats while they're conducting their fishing operations to make sure that it's legit and they're abiding by the law, yada, yada. Question is, who has to front those costs? Well, the federal, I mean, the government said uh, the fishermen do. So we make our rules, uh, we decide how we apply them, we interpret them, and we've just arbitrarily said, you're going to pay for us to regulate your industry. And the question is going to be, are they finally going to overturn Chevron? By the, you, I don't know what the count is, I just know that um, Clarence Thomas, he's going to be my go-to for favorite Supreme Court justices. Not that I know all of them, but he gets it right on the big stuff says it's time to it's time to overdo that uh, it's time to put away with the chevron deference it's um it has resulted in excessive government overreach what's the other case uh, what's what, what's the likelihood of this um chevron actually being struck down because it is a prior precedent yeah it, it's what they should have done from the get-go so they they they, they uh helped remove the power of of chevron as it related to major questions in the epa versus west virginia case last year or the year before but they're on all these, but on everyday concerns of everyday people, they're still enforcing Chevron. And for those people who don't know, a 1984 Supreme Court case that where the Supreme Court said that agencies get to interpret the law and we, the courts, have to defer to them. And what that did is it allowed agencies to effectively supplant the legislative branch because they really started writing laws that the legislature never did, just interpreting its delegated authority to do so. And then they were acting as the judicial branch. This is the executive branch acting as the legislative and judicial branch by interpreting its application and enforcing it. And it, it's always been a disaster, but it unleashed the administrative state in its full, ugly panoply of, uh, of powers that it currently employs to harass everybody from ordinary fishermen to any businessmen trying to do anything to homeowners just trying to build on their own home, on their own property. And it raises issues under the separation of powers. It raises issues under Article 3 and Article uh, 1 and raises due process issues uh, as well. So because what's happening is they're getting to a judge and legislate and enforce. They are jury, judge and executioner, but they're also the legal writer at the same time. So the way they act, because they have these administrative proceedings that uh, is the other case pending before the Supreme Court about the SEC judges going AWOL. So this is about we need to gut the administrative state. And it's the one place Mitch McConnell's appointees had promise. A lot of other places they didn't. But gutting the administrative state, because it happens to also align with serving the interest of corporate America, for the most part, not entirely. There's a bunch of companies that have filed amicus briefs in support of Chevron because they like the way it helps them screw the little fellow. But as a whole, if you could gut their agency's ability to do anything other than what they are specifically and undisputably given the power to do, you gut the power of the administrative state or 70, 75 percent of it. The rest of the way you take by taking away their paychecks um, and, you know, just not paying them, period. Don't give them the money. Then they don't have anything to do because if they're not getting paid, they tend not to do nothing. So uh, it's critical. We'll, we'll hear what the oral arguments are. I think it's very promising. Professor John Eastman, the same one they're trying 
to disbar in California for simply raising constitutional defenses as to the president for an honest election, wrote a great brief uh, on behalf of the Claremont Institute, uh, educating on this precise issue, as well as on the takings issue. And so I think there's enough that there's a lot of there's been building demand. Um, many of the a majority of the justices have expressed skepticism about it. I have no doubts that uh, Scalia, I'm not sorry, Scalia, Scalia, if he was on the bench, Alito, uh, little Scalia, does he sometimes call it Scalito, Alito, Thomas, um, and Gorsuch are forgetting it. And I think Kavanaugh will be too. The only question is what happens with Roberts? What happens with Barrett? Those are the only two question marks on the court uh, concerning Chevron. And we may get some cue or clue on that at the Wednesday oral arguments. Very cool. What's and um, what was the other, what was the other one? The other. Uh, it's Chevron. even better, by the way, that it's for fishermen that uh, that might gut it. So God bless the fishermen. <laughs> the uh, uh, you know Jesus was one, as they said. The uh, uh, speaking of uh, the uh, the other two big ones are the takings clause and the confrontation clause. Let me see the confrontation clause. I'm jogging my memory. I was doing all of this this afternoon. Confrontation clause. Okay, it was admitting an expert report in the context of a case where the expert who was testifying was testifying on the expertise, or I don't know, I was testifying on the expert report of another expert who was not testifying and uh, who would not testify in this trial. I, now I'm, gonna, I'm forgetting the context. I'm not sure that it's a it, criminal case. It was a criminal case, but hold on. Oh, it was about, it was about whether or not it was marijuana or methamphetamine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love it. It's good. The wheels sometimes get a little rusty. So this guy gets arrested for drug possession, uh, charged and, you know, that he's possessing marijuana and methamphetamine. The issue is whether or not he possessed marijuana and methamphetamine. And so in, during the trial, you'll correct me, Robert, if I get it wrong a little bit, there's one expert testifying on a report that is being produced by another expert who's not testifying, which basically is the foregone conclusion. It was methamphetamine, it was marijuana, and therefore the guy's guilty. And the guy says, Look, I, you can't admit an expert from someone who doesn't testify on their own report. What you basically have is presupposing the conclusions instead of proving them. And um, I forget how it ended. How did it end in this case? Uh, so they, they just did the oral argument last week. And the justices were sympathetic to the position of the defendant, which is correct. So under the Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution, one of the critical rights that prohibits us from recreating the Star Chamber, is your right to confront your accusers. That is where the confrontation clause comes from. That right, which some lawyers sometimes forget, trumps the hearsay rule, right? So the uh, people might say, oh, that such and such is an exception to hearsay. It's not an exception to the confrontation clause. So you have a right to confront your accusers. So if you're going to admit somebody else's statement in court, you, uh, you, in a criminal case, that frankly, in my opinion, should never happen under the confrontation clause, period. And so if it's being used against a criminal defendant and the, there's been effectively a forensic analyst exemption, exception to the confrontation clause by the lower courts. And the reason for this is quite simple. The, uh, the original analyst often is not an effective witness and also may have made, may have major areas of bias or made of major screw ups. The jurors think, well, I'll never forget, like OJ case. They said, look at all the blood evidence. 
as if blood evidence is some, some as if the words blood and evidence magically miraculously well, make it reliable and trustworthy. Was was this the blood that they put on OJ's sock from the vial? Bada bing, bada boom. Exactly. Is. Okay. Exactly. But people get so caught. Jurors, oh, a professional scientist said 99.8% certain it was so-and-so. One out of all four criminal convictions set aside in the United States on behalf of people later proven to be innocent were convicted based solely on forensic expert evidence. That's how bad that evidence is. It's been notorious. These labs are corrupt. These labs are filled with incompetent people. And consequently, all kinds of innocent people have been railroaded under the guise of science. And it needs to be confronted. Uh, The National Academy of Criminal Defense Lawyers and others filed very effective amicus briefs documenting all the problems and all the cross-examination that should happen that would expose those problems. And as the Supreme Court said, cross-examination has been one of the most critical critical means of ascertaining truth that we've ever had. So uh, I think they will correctly rule that the other reason here is sometimes the witness is just not effective. So mo- a lot of your government agencies, they have professional witnesses. So the IRS all the time, in my cases, they bring in somebody who's likable, approachable, uh, and, and easy easy to communicate with. That the 99% of IRS employees don't fit any of those three categories. Um, but the so the government hires professional witnesses to be their custodian of records and basically narrate their case, but in a nice, likable, persuadable way. Um, I've used that against the government on occasion, and then they, they start to reverse their approach. Uh, famously in the Snipes case, made the guy introduce all of my favorable evidence through his testimony using Rule 106 of the Federal Rules of Evidence, Rule of Completeness. But Putting that aside, the uh, so this is a scam that prosecutors run all the time. And it looks like finally the Supreme Court's going to put an end to it. If you're the one who analyzed it, you're the one who's got to testify. End of story. I, I thought like that's a rule of civil procedure in Quebec where, you know, you don't get to admit an expert report without the expert testifying on their own report, cross-examined on their own report, which I thought was the procedural, you know, question in this, maybe the hiccup. Um, yeah, no, no, it's no. just they created an exception because they wanted to railroad criminal defendants. It's that simple. All right, unbelievable. Okay, so that was um, that was and the last the one is confrontation taking away, and when they're not busy taking away your liberties, they're busy trying to take away your property. This had to do with oh, it was a ta- it was a tax fee for building a property, and they charge you for diverting oh, traffic. It wasn't a tax fee; <laughs> it, was a, it was a traffic fee. <laughs> Robert, it's just it is just amazing. Like I didn't, I can't, I can't read all the decisions, but or the 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 the, the pleadings. This is a dude who's doing construction on his own property, and they assess him a levy for the disruption to traffic, as per the construction that he wants to do. Uh, they they make him pay twenty three. There was absolutely no connection to traffic. The guy's just building on his property, and they just want to steal some money from the guy. Twenty three. So they call it a. Traffic impact fee. Oh, a, a traffic impact fee of twenty three thousand bucks, which he pays. Twenty three grand. Twenty three grand. They're building something on your own home. Well, it, it has now, no but, impact. No impact on traffic. Is is that an accepted fact that it has no impact on traffic? In this case, it is. Yes. Because <laughs> I mean, like every now and again, they build Tim Hortons in Canada. Some of them get so popular that they create backlog, and if you do it near a highway, it can obviously be dangerous. So you have to like build back roads uh, so that the, the, the overflow for the drive-through doesn't get in the way of traffic. Not the case in this particular case. They levy a $23,000, what do they call it? It's not a tax, it's a, what is it, a, 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 an imposition. And he says, this is bullcrap. Um, wh- I know there's a broader import of this decision. What is the broader import? 
So what happened is the Supreme Court, when they got intimidated by Roosevelt in the 1930s, decided to eviscerate all a lot of their contract clause and takings clause jurisprudence and tax law jurisprudence and capitulate to the administrative state. And and basically, what the the law says, you can't take away somebody's property or liberty without due process of law. And it says you can't take away somebody's property without just compensation. That's the takings clause, for example. The, uh, you know, demanding 23 grand from somebody is not just compensation to you. And it's taking your property without due process of law when it has no tie or connection to anything other than just they want to take your money from you. And the problem is the courts have used these broad language to say that if it's for the public good, that you don't really have a property interest unless it's a reasonable investment-backed expectation that is uh, balanced against that public good. And it was the court spent basically about a half a century ratifying and rationalizing the deep state and uh, only having judges step in when they didn't in the administrative state, when the judges disliked the direction of that particular policy rather than the problem of the administrative state itself. And so as, uh, again, Eastman filed a good uh, meekest brief on the subject, others did, property is essential to liberty. You don't have liberty if you don't have property. You know, if, if, if you don't have the means to protect your property, what liberty do you really have? Right? It's like saying, oh, you have free speech. You just can't use a megaphone. You can't speak at a platform. You can't talk to this audience. You can't reach this, you know, so on and so forth. Sooner or later, you're just talking to yourself. That's not what right to free speech means. Also means the right to listen, for example. The uh, same with the right to petition. And what does the right to petition mean if the government doesn't have to answer it or respond to it or meaningfully deal with it? Uh, I mean, according to our founders, that was the great offense that led to the Declaration of Independence. Just read it in the words it was written in. So uh, the these what, what happened is the local and state governments saw a huge loophole. We'll just call it traffic impact. We'll call it permitting. So uh, they, they did this with a lot of zoning laws where all of a sudden to do things on your own property, you have to get their permission. Um, it kind of like Amos Miller's case. You know, he's making food on his own farm, and somehow the government says he can't keep that food, use that food, eat that food, or do anything with that food until he gets our permission. Right? I mean, th- this is the danger. This is the dangers of where this goes. I mean, the IRS famously in the 1930s, before Congress said they wanted to tax people for cooking their own food because you can't use it. You, you, you have to exercise human labor to do things. They wanted to call that a taxable event. That's how nuts these people are if you give them this power. So this goes to the core of misusing and abusing licensure powers, permission powers, permit powers, uh, impact fees, and all this garbage that has been eviscerating people's rights uh, to their property and their liberty. And what the, there's also something called the unconstitutional conditions doctrine. So even if the government doesn't have to give you something, if they say we'll only give it to you if you forego another constitutional right, that is itself a constitutional violation. And so here, I think, here their, their point was, at a, at a minimum, when there's no proportionality. In other words, here, the, well, the public good is supposedly traffic impact. That has nothing to do with the fee that's being charged as a condition of the permit. Uh, second, that that's an unconstitutional condition to waive your right to use the property as you see fit, without, uh, and particularly to have property taken from you without just compensation uh, 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 connected to this. Uh, you, if you want your permit, you have to forfeit your other uh, ta- uh, constitutional rights. But more fundamentally, as Eastman points out, we need to reinvigorate 
the entire right to property. We need to return it to its roots and origin and limit the state. The state can't just go take whatever they want uh, without just compensation. They can't take what they want without due process of law. And these exactions and permit fees and disguise taxes and misuse and abuse of this power for so long by the government needs to stop. And it sounded like from the Supreme Court that they are inclined to do something about stopping it. They all, all of these decisions have to be in by June of this year. So it's going to be it's going to be five months of, of, of awesomeness. Oh, yes. All right. Um, do we move on to. Uh, OK, we're, we're going well, to do. Speaking of a case that's heading to the Supreme Court, Texas versus Biden immigration. Uh, Texas. Now, I, I, which one is this? Is this the one where, where, where the Biden administration is preventing Texas from enforcing uh, yes. it, 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 expelling illegal immigrants? It from from passing their own laws, enforcing federal law. Now, I, I understand the first of all, when the hell did immigration or illegal immigration or enforcing laws as relates to illegal immigrants? Um, when was it given to the federal government? Well, it depends on who you choose to define that. Mm-hmm. So the the in the Constitution, the federal government has the power to control relations with foreign nations and commerce with foreign nations, the Foreign Commerce Clause. It also has the right to determine, and is supposed to, by obligation, establish a rule for naturalization for those people who are not born in the United States when they can become citizens of the United States uh, and be legally admitted to it. The It wasn't until 2012 that that was interpreted to mean that no local or state government can enforce immigration law that in fact, they have to suffer invasions into perpetuity of illegals into their nation. Uh, But that's what happened in Arizona versus the United States. What Texas is doing is they're clearly setting up a legal case for the Supreme Court to reevaluate under the current conditions their precedent in Arizona versus the United States. Because the five judges that signed on to that uh, only two of them are still on the bench. Of the five, are still there: Sotomayor and Roberts. Shock, shock! That Roberts was the key judge to let that nonsense go through. What they said in state in Arizona versus the United States was that Arizona had no right to enforce federal immigration law. They couldn't pass their own laws, making it a crime. They couldn't have their own people enforce the law. They couldn't come up with new alternative ways to support it that the argument was that the Foreign Commerce Clause and Foreign Relations Clause and Naturalization Clause preempted all state law, even state law that's actually in conformity with rather than in contradiction to federal law on the topic. Because again, these were not new immigration laws. These were state laws enforcing federal law. And uh, But you know, Kennedy was key to that. Breyer was key to that. Ginsburg was key to that. All three are gone. Thomas dissented. Alito partially dissented. He should have fully dissented. Alito, of course, Scalia dissented, but Scalia is no longer president. So the thought process is, if you could add now Gorsuch to Thomas and get Alito to reconsider the the wisdom of that decision, of part of how he split his verdict in that case, and then, and maybe Barrett, maybe Kavanaugh will go a different direction. Uh, on the grounds that now we're seeing the the political fallout for not allowing local government and state governments from protecting their own borders 
from a lawless federal government that is by systematic policy, according to Stephen Miller, the American First legal uh, organization, uh, is according to FOIA and other information they're getting, is actually deliberate policy by the uh, this administration to completely ignore and not enforce immigration laws in the aims that it will help them politically and help them demographically and help them and help their allies uh, with access to cheap labor as well. And so the state of Texas is being invaded. The state of Arizona is being invaded. The United States is being invaded with a massive wave of illegal immigrants coming through human smuggling by cartels, not knowing who's there, not knowing who may have bad motivations or incentives to be there. You don't have to watch the Sicario film, to rec- you know, Sicario 2, to recognize the risk of all this, that sooner or later terrorism is, is going to come across that border. Uh, not just your ordinary litany of criminals that come across that border. And uh, so, but right now, because of Arizona's decision, uh, Texas has no chance to win before the district court of the Fifth Circuit. Uh, a lot of people that have talked to me about immigration, like, why does a state do this or that? And I'm like, Arizona tried. The Supreme Court ended that. That's why no state has been able to enforce federal immigration laws because of the Supreme Court of the United States. But this case is clearly Get set off the up. internet. The, uh, th- this, ca- this case clearly established in order to get the Supreme Court to reconsider, given now what we're facing. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I seem to be glitching out because I think too many people in this house are on the interwebs right now. I don't know what's going on. Um, but Robert, w- okay, so deportation, I understand, might be a federal issue. What would preclude a state from locking up illegal immigrants who have violated the law? In they terms consider of all of it. They consider removal proceedings to be federally governed they consider employment decisions to be federally governed arrest decisions to be federally what they determined was that if it concerns illegal immigration you can't do anything at the state level it's unbelievable and why like i don't use the word sedition or treasonous but when do you when does this become an impeachable offense for a president well it's definitely already an impeachable offense if the evidence stephen miller's gathering is accurate that this is deliberate informed policy uh, of the government to mass uh, allow mass illegal invasion India it's the kind of thing there shouldn't be presidential immunity for uh, but we should go through the impeachment clause and that's a good bridge to the case that was before the DC Court of Appeals this week uh, presidential immunity in the context of President Trump and the irony is the question that the media misrepresented to the world as destroying the Trump case actually damns the Biden administration that damns Barack Hussein Obama, damns Bill Clinton, because those are people that have actually ordered their political rivals killed or imprisoned, as um, Biden is trying to currently do. Uh, well, we're going to get to Gonzalo Lira in a second. Uh, the immunity case, Robert, hold on. I thought I, I thought I covered this last week, and I, and I think I did. It's the Trump immunity as to whether the, the scope and extent of presidential immunity for acts of alleged crimes while committed in office we know your theory. Sorry, but so what happened last week? So this week was the appellate argument before the D.C. Court of Appeals. Okay. And in the oral argument, the judge said, if President Trump ordered Seal 6 to assassinate his, assassinate his political rival, oh, are you saying Jesus. he still has immunity? And that was the headline. His lawyers say he could shoot someone and still have immunity. Which, in fact, is not what his lawyer said. What his lawyer said is uh, they made my precise argument. That's what impeachment is for. He can be impeached, he can be convicted, then he can be prosecuted. In those circumstances, the question is about power. And, the, and, the, and Trump's lawyer refused to take the bait of the judge. 
Um, I might have gone further and said, uh, it, does the court believe that under that logic, President Biden should be locked up now because he's using his Justice Department right now to imprison and potentially kill his political opponent? Now, hold on. You did say Obama did it. I know that Obama, Obama had the- drone-bombed his political opponent overseas. And, and, and the 16-year-old uh, kid, Biden right? Biden helped assassinate the Gonzalo Lira uh, in, oh. in Ukraine. Uh, who's a notorious, who is a notable political opponent of the Biden administration. The uh, And if Judge Pan thinks there shouldn't be immunity for ordering the imprisonment or execution of your political enemy, most judges then are not immune, are they? Because what do they do every single day in America but lock up people that they're politically opposed to? Or the I just, death penalty of those they're politically opposed to. I just want to make sure on the Obama. Now, we all know that he drone strike killed a 16-year-old American citizen. American with- citizen who is, was, wouldn't you call him, political opponent? You know, she didn't uh, say the guy running against him uh, The because that would be mostly analogous to what Biden is trying to do to Trump. <laughs> the, uh, so it was, a, it was a ludicrous argument celebrated by the media. Credit to the Trump team. Now, it's, it's a biased panel. You're not going to get any justice from the D.C. Court of Appeals. So I think it's bound for the Supreme Court. I think the Supreme Court will ultimately take it because of its consequence. And once they do, that's going to delay the trial until after the election in D.C. anyway. Um, But I think you'll see just how bad our courts are by their very selective rendition of immunity of who they give it to and who they don't. Um, The so because, again, if if, if you're doing it in the capacity as president, that ends the story. And if if doing something illegal removed it from immunity, then you don't have immunity. And un, unlike a lot of immunity, there's good grounds for presidential immunity. It's to prevent a person from being subject to random criminal prosecutions of any rand of, of the well, criminal prosecutorial power of any random schmuck anywhere in the country. Like we're seeing right now with Big Fanny Willis coming out of Georgia. By the way, perfect segue. I, I, we can we can segue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. big Fanny Willis. Robert, I need to know the law. I mean, okay, so I read and I and I try to understand and I listen to other good legal minds like Robert Govea. So big Fanny Willis coming out of Georgia, who's indicted Trump. I got to get clear on the, this is the RICO charges. Um, she apparently hired external independent counsel to prosecute the case. A dude named Nathan Wade who she happens to be boning or he happens to be boning her. I don't know which way it goes. That's so gross. I just had a very, very bad vision. They happen to be having an affair together. Nathan Wade gets divorced from his wife or files. That's not papers. a good vision to begin with. <laughs> you didn't need to add to it. So Nathan Wade happens to be allegedly, allegedly boning Fanny Willis. They, 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 he divorces from his wife the day after he signs the contract or enters into the contract with Fanny Willis, who hires him as independent counsel. Pays him upwards of a million dollars in a year. The dude bills out 250 bucks an hour. No competence to be prosecuting this case. Billing 24 hours in a day sometimes, based on the evidence. And I'll steal man it. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to say, oh, that was 24 hours over the course of three days, even though I didn't indicate it. Whatever. There's ethics and rules of external counsel, how you allocate state funds to hire external counsel. Apparently, Fannie Willis bypassed all of it hired her boyfriend or the dude that she's having an affair with, uh, pays him upwards of a million dollars. Was he married at the time as well? He was married at the time. And apparently, you know, he gets paid upwards of a million bucks in a year, billing 250 bucks an hour for however many hours, 
billing to meet with the White House to coordinate or whatever, takes her on vacations and said, there's so many things here. Ethics, Georgia, her, her, whether or not she violated the law to prosecute, persecute a political rival, um, the, the, the validity, the ethics of meeting and coordinating with White House counsel when they said they never met with any of these state prosecutors. Robert, m- make it make sense. Well, you, see how that, you see how that game worked? <laughs> they, they, they were, it, was, it was a Clinton-esque answer. It turned out she hired an independent counsel to have prosecutorial power who's not himself a state employee. So the Biden, to coordinate the attack on Bi- on Trump, so he could meet with the Biden administration and the Biden administration could have plausible deniability that they never met with a state official. Now, of course, because these people always do it in writing and never in cash, when it's supposed to be the other way around, uh, he billed for it. Like he billed for, t- I think he billed the state, not only 24 hours in a day, I think he billed the state for banging her. Maybe he, maybe he's entitled to that. Maybe that was really some oh. of the most burdensome, difficult task that he had. He, oh, well, first of all, if he lasts eight hours, good for him. I mean, I, I don't know how that works. doesn't matter. Yeah, the, he billed the state for meeting with White House counsel twice. Eight, I think it was $6,000 or $8,000, whatever. The 24 hours in a day. I've heard some people on Twitter. This yeah, is I've... fraudulent billing. This is the fraud on the state. This is fraud on the courts. This is fraud on the people of, of Georgia. All coming out because his wife's not happy and she's outing this. As, <laughs> no, uh, but, uh, Robert, some of the media, the MSM is trying to spin it as, how much credibility do you give to a disgruntled wife? Dude, I've seen the freaking invoices. It doesn't it's, make it's sense. It's the billing records. It's right in writing. <laughs> the dude didn't hide it. And she's up in front of a black church preaching about how South black women should just get an exception. I mean, I mean, it's the worst of diversity, equity, oh. inclusion. The, the only thing that's worse is when you have diversity, equity, and inclusion building your plane for you, uh, <laughs> that then you're really screwed. Uh, what can Quite. happen? I mean, they're, they're, they're arguing that she has, vi- she's recoing uh, in the very same sense that she's pursuing this. What happens? So they find an ethics violation, maybe, because this has nothing to do with Trump. This is Georgia ethics laws about hiring external counsel with the requisite approval. Well, how bad does that dimwit governor in Georgia look like? Who has uh, stood aside and done nothing about this case, done nothing to interfere with it or impair it or say this has this case is a completely lawless rogue action by a state employee. Instead, he kind of winked at it, supported it, imagined himself as a future governor, a uh, future president. Um, it, it's, you know, you could tell this was a corrupt political hack. Like, you know, these are people that do not look good as the light is shined on them. It's like watching a monkey climb a tree. It doesn't get prettier as you see these folks, uh, up close and personal. And that's what you're seeing here. Uh, you, you know, New York prosecutor, hopelessly corrupt DC judge and a disgrace. The, uh, judge in, in the civil case in New York, complete embarrassment. The prosecutor, Jack Smith, rogue, lawless actor. I, I want to now you... we have a corrupt uh, prosecutor in Atlanta. And you could tell she was corrupt. Everything about her screamed corruption. I just wanted to highlight it's Jack Smith. We've got where we've entered the matrix so much that we have Agent Smith uh, prosecuting, the, you know, the proverbial Neo. It's it's, it's fantastic. Um, we'll follow it because, I mean, first of all, Govea does live streams every night, like going over in detail these court filings. He's amazing. And he makes it entertaining to read the most boring bullshit you can possibly imagine. 
Uh, it, I, I'll be following it. I'll do the car vlogs on it. But this is absolute insanity. The collusion, the corruption, the election interference, the RICO, everyone conspiring to break the law, it's becoming ever more apparent. And if you don't see it, you're probably a demented old, you know, uh, fucking cotter. What's well, his I mean, name? Like what's Joe happening Biden. is, it's, we uh, said from the beginning, the, the justice system is going to be on trial here. And it's increasingly proven to be guilty and uh, not up to its constitutional obligation and being exposed to the world as bunch of corrupt political partisan hacks that honestly they've all often always been they just usually take it out on the little fellow they don't take it out on someone like trump the uh but you know speaking of how wokeism has fallen off its uh, uh rails uh you see example you know the faa is running around and boeing's running around talking about how diverse their hires are going to be uh, about you know the that you know not going to hire on competence anymore going to hire on whether you check a box right and that's what ha- that's how you hop on an Alaska Airlines plane and the door just flies off halfway in. So, Robert, it's a class action lawsuit for the victims of this. It's a disaster. God, but for the grace of God, nobody died, right? The people had injuries. It's a miracle. Like, it's a fu- if it's that a- door had gone off, had blown off a little bit higher up, probably dead. Uh, and and the and we'd probably be in the middle of a cover up because they, they we wouldn't know exactly what happened. They would have suppressed everything. I don't know if it'd be like Ron Brown where they never discovered the black box. Like, just can't 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 find it. Golly gee, I mean, yeah. All you had to know was Bill Clinton sent Ron Brown in the middle of a grand jury investigation to do a commerce trip to a war torn region. You know, you, speaking of no immunity for guys that uh, get their political opponents executed, <laughs> right. you know, the Clintons would be at the top of that list. Hold on. Uh, we're opening uh, parentheses here. What the hell are you talking about, Ron Brown, Bill Clinton? I, I, I'm forgiving. Forgive me oh, for being yeah, an idiot. The Commerce Secretary Ron Brown got uh, caught up with his mistress in a major criminal grand jury. Went to talk to uh, Billy Boy. Uh, Ron Brown was the uh, the bag man for the Democratic Party. His father ran a famous uh, Harlem hotel and had been a bag man for uh, and sort of a fixer, Mister Fixer guy for a while bunch of prominent people for decades before that so ron was born into it uh and clinton rewarded him with the commerce secretary division uh and his son got implicated and his mistress got implicated he was going to have to rat out billy boy had a apparently an animated argument in the kitchen in the white house and right around that time clinton said hey you know what i think you should take a commerce trip to the balkans yeah it's a war-torn region but why would you take a commerce trip to a to a, a war zone? But uh, old Billy Boy's like, I think you need to do this. Maybe your son won't be prosecuted. Maybe some other things won't happen if you get on that plane. He got on that plane. That plane went down. Never found the black box. His body was found in a weird way. It's a, one of the hush hushes on the Clinton death Sweet. curse. Jesus, Robert. I'm sorry. I don't mean to use other people's lore's name. Sweet, merciful goodness. I'm leaving that window open. I'm going to read that when we're done here tonight. Holy! I mean, I'd have been tempted if I'd been up for that D.C. Court of Appeals when Judge brought it up to say, "Well, uh, Your Honor, I don't think Bill Clinton is uh, being discussed at this point." <laughs> the, uh, uh, so the because uh, that, that judge is a longtime Clinton Holy. ally, so Holy the uh, uh, they wouldn't have necessarily liked that. But it, it's just another the apparently the subcontractor for Boeing has been sued repeatedly for the same case. This is about a construction defect. So it suggests that they've been hiding something because the FAA, once again, rather than doing their job, our transportation secretary, Pete Booty Booty Gay Gay, 
uh, is busy running around making sure we got diversity, we got equity, and we got inclusion. Not if you can keep your water and air safe in, in, little, in East Palestine, Ohio. Not whether or not you can get on a plane without the doors flying off. And it's a, it's a sign of the incompetence of the Biden administration, incompetence of the administrative state, and the direct dangers of choosing diversity, equity, and inclusion, or as one of our chat members mentioned, maybe call it diversity, inclusion, and equity, because then it will correctly spell <laughs> die, uh, that we experienced the folks on the Alaska Airlines. Um, it's amazing. I, see, I read it, and I only go to the procedural aspect. Why would they go for a class action and not a joinder of suits? Because you know how many people there are on the class. It's only the plane. Um, but then, as I'm reading through this, so there were multiple signals prior to... I, I don't know if it's on that plane it's or a construction in general. defect case. And their point is the, the Boeing has had a history of it with this subcontractor. Holy shit. And just so everybody and knows. You dig a little deeper and you find out the subcontractor and Boeing have been promoting diversity at the expense of competency. And so everybody understands the door or a portion of the plane blows off of yeah, the plane. You're sitting next to the exit door and boom, it's gone. And, and, oh, I guarantee you, whoever sat there's like, I'm never doing the exit row again. It's not worth the extra, they're not, not, they're, not worth the extra legs. They're never flying again. This is a case of that movie with Jeff Bridges. It's like Twilight Zone, right? Uh, the, the, you keep seeing the thing on the plane and then, you know, the, the, no, but, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, apparently the pressure, the pressure changed so quickly. People's eardrums were bleeding. The oxygen masks weren't working properly. And uh, the fact that they survived, holy shit, like you must be the chosen ones on that plane. And, and credit to... Senator J.D. Vance, who, unlike a lot of his Republican compadres who are too deferential to corporate power, said, we need to take a deep look at what Boeing's doing here. Because um, what is a lot of these, you know, people wonder, why is Nikki Haley kind of on the diversity, equity, inclusion side? Like, oh, isn't she a traditional Republican? Duh, duh, duh. Tra your traditional W. Bushite Republican is a corporate whore. <laughs> and, and consequently, uh, they are too, they're like, oh, we don't want to question Boeing, even when they're doing it for leftist ideological purposes. Robert, I, I but we, speaking of woke, gone, no, 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 no. We, I think we, let's save the woke one for locals afterwards. We oh, have okay, to sure. end. We have to end. I, I, I'll, I'll feel guilty if we don't end on the what I think is one of the biggest stories of the uh, night, yeah. Gonzalo Lira. Now, and we'll end with that here. I'm going to give everyone the link to locals. We're going to talk about Harvard. We got a few other ones. Uh, yeah, going but we'll on talk there. about Harvard. We'll talk about Amos Miller. We'll talk about COVID insurance coverage, the WEF treaty, homeless rights, yep. and websites as property at, at locals. Uh, vivabarnslaw.locals.com for now we're gonna if, Robert I'm waiting I don't know what more confirmation I'm waiting for that Gonzalo Lira is dead now for those who, it's, who it's don't know it's been confirmed in multiple places now I, 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 I like I don't know what I'm waiting for because it's like it's like the irrational I was not friends with Gonzalo Lira but I was in I was in act you know communication with yep. him and we brought people's attention to it very early on yeah got I think the public outcry uh, thanks to members of the community, helped lead to his release. The before. first time. But the, but and, and when he tried to escape the Ukraine, uh, they arrested him, detained him, and, and killed now him. he was killed, killed in prison. Him. Now, and I, I say, like, before I go wild on Twitter, because I've been known to go wild, and then what I thought was a fact turns out not to be a fact, and then I have to apologize, and I hate apologizing, but I'll do it every time if I make a mistake. So... He was once detained, and I we we I, I did a bunch of videos, and we talked about it. And people were saying, "Oh, he's a ha he's a um what's the word? He's a fraud. He was never detained. It was a promotional stunt." 
allegedly he's dead. And, and like, I don't know how much more confirmation you can get than his father coming out and saying, I can confirm my son is dead. Maybe they're lying to him like Hamas did, uh, pretending some of, the ter- some of the hostages were alive. Maybe, I don't know, it's torture. They're going to say he's dead, but he's not. I don't know. But I don't know what I'm waiting for before I go crazy on Twitter, because I'm going to. I, we, uh, he was going to be on the channel. We had some discussions. I had been in touch with him. And if it turns out that he's dead because he got detained in a Ukrainian prison and whether or not he was murdered or denied life-saving treatment for disease, because they're going to say, yeah, he died of disease. Sorry. Well, the be- fact they didn't immediately come out with saying something like that means he was murdered. Murdered by inmates, murdered by security no, Murdered guards. by the Ukraine prison guards. No. If it, yeah, uh, I don't have much doubt. And here, you know, I have my disagreements on some issues with Scott Ritter. But Ritter called this out early on and said the first time around, he said they're going to try to kill him. And, and and then they did. When they got him the second time, they did. When there wasn't enough outrage from Americans about his second detention. I mean, there was enough that the State Department had to answer questions about it, but they refused to lift a finger for him. And that told the Ukrainian government, which is devolving as it collapses, as its war effort. In, in, I mean, this past week, data came out that showed for the first time in a long time, Russia's economy is bigger than Germany's. Uh, the, you know, Russia is going, Russia is winning and will win that war. And, uh, and Gonzalo Lira, for those that don't know, American Chilean citizen, dual citizen, grew up in the United States, went over to Ukraine, started speaking out against the Ukrainian war, his, his exposing was Ukrainian corruption. And that is why he was arrested. And that is why he's dead. His, his, he used to be Coach Red Pill, but whether or not you call him a grifter, whatever the fuck you want to call him. He was a human. He was an American citizen. He was in Ukraine. He spoke out vocally against the Ukrainian government. He was detained, and everyone said, oh, it's hogwash. He was released, and then everyone said, look, that's confirmation it was hogwash. Detained a second time. Allegedly dead. I don't know what I'm waiting for in terms of confirmation before I unleash. I will unleash when I get the confirmation that I think is sufficient for me to unleash. I, there's still a hope for hope. I mean, I, Ukraine didn't deport him. It was an American deep state operative that is a tranny from Las Vegas that previously tried to infiltrate the Republican Party here in Las Vegas, in Nevada, that went over there, that was working with various uh, of the neo-Nazi aligned groups in Ukraine that when he was first direct, arrested was bragging about murdering him. And then and when they got the backlash, they decided not to go through with it at that time. Now they have uh, because that's who it is. That's who is running the show in Ukraine. I mean, more published reports that billions of dollars have disappeared. Billions of dollars of weapons have disappeared, that it's one massive money laundering criminal operation, that it is using the young men and now older men and even women of Ukraine as sacrificial lambs for the neocon, Nikki, war Karen, war whores of the world in the Biden administration that has achieved nothing. And, you know, I was called Putin apologist and everything else, uh, as was Gonzalo Lira. The reality was this was a dumb war fought for dumb reasons that has caused the deaths of many people, now an American citizen, and our Biden administration is complicit in his death. It should be a part of the impeachable offenses against him. Contrast it with that. how he treated Brittany Griner, who he traded one of the 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 arm lord the, the merchant arm, the merchant, the merchant of, of death, death. that's that's the guy's name merchant of death we traded him just to get back a wnba lesbian wokester uh while we abandoned encouraged incentivized and appear to be complicit in 
the murder of an American citizen for exposing the corruption like, of the Ukrainian government. Robert, I, I don't ask this to be hyperbolic. What's the distinction between this and um, the, I want to say the Iranian government in the murder of, of Sarshoji? Like, wh- wh- oh, I mean, what- the difference is uh, the, uh, in, when the Saudis whacked him, that guy wasn't a real American citizen. He wasn't an American citizen, period. He no, but he was, he, was, he was a Saudi citizen. He was a propagandist. He was an anti-Saudi propagandist the Washington Post put on its payroll with deep state ties who decided to walk into the Saudi embassy and the Saudi embassy decided to uh, export him in a unique manner. <laughs> but the but he was not the... Now, I'm not a fan of what the Saudis did, but, uh, but there we were. Massive outrage from the entire media. Uh, not here. Here, the, the U.S. government is complicit in the murder of an American citizen in Ukraine, an American reporter and journalist in Ukraine, uh, because they did because he was a political opponent of the Biden administration and because he exposed the Ukrainian government. I, I'm I, I don't know what I'm waiting for by way of confirmation that he's actually dead. But I, w- when I get what I think I need morally and spiritually, I'm gonna unleash what I think on the interwebs and. People will take it for what it's worth. All right, Robert, do we go over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com now for Harvard and a bunch of other fun stuff and the yeah. tips? We've got to read, we're going to read all the tips. Yeah, if you tip $5 or more, we'll answer any of those tips. Dear goodness. Okay, we're going to do it right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Robert, what do you have coming up for the week? Uh, public appearances or law stuff? Because you're still a practicing uh, I'm attorney. I'm going to be traveling to Pennsylvania. I've got some... Uh, I got a, uh, two criminal cases up there. They're trying to lock up uh, the Amish farmer, Mr. King, Reuben King, uh, just because he didn't get a permit for selling guns. Uh, they want to look, they're looking at five years that they're trying to get and forfeit over uh, 600 of his guns, basically take his entire gov- his entire gun collection. So the, you know, that's probably going to be fought out on appeal because there's limited things. you can, There's not much you can do at the district court level, unfortunately. Uh, unless you get an unusually conscientious court. Uh, Amos Miller, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more over at Viva Barnes. I'll be open Philly about that case. There's a crim- another criminal case I'm up on appeal on. There's uh, several cases of COVID vaccine depositions that are going to be taken in the Philly area. So uh, going to be up there for the next week or so. Uh, may hop on with Richard Barris tomorrow uh, to discuss the Iowa caucus results. And I do have picks up at sportspicks.locals.com on what, if you want to make a little money and try to cash in on the Iowa caucus results, what I think are the most profitable investments you might be able to make. Now I'm going to read just three more before we go. We got, uh, yay, Viva vlogs are coming back. I listened. I started listening to you in the vlog era. 20 bucks from Effitts. Roosevelt Media News with a Z. What are the chances of Mallorcas doing jail time if impeached, Robert? None. (laughs) Mandatory carry. I know how this is going to read. I'm going to read it in two parts. Had the founders foreseen the future, they would have written a very different Second Amendment, a well-protected public, being necessary to the security of the free state, the duty of the people to keep and bear arms shall not yeah, be Well, In fact, enforced. it was enforced that way at the time of the Republic. Like I said, there was often an obligation to carry publicly. That's unbelievable. Oh, I just had two, three, four, five, six up on the live streams. Come on over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Now, people, we're going to end it on Rumble. Thank you all for being here. I'll be live tomorrow with John Burke. Some of you didn't like him from last week. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be on his channel, so I'll share the link out, and uh, it'll be fun. I won't scream quite as much. I'm joking, bada bing, bada boom, but I'll be on his channel tomorrow. We're going to talk about like whatever's going on in Iowa, and um, I'll be live all week, so you know, stay tuned. Ending... Uh, vivafry.com for merch, vivabarnslaw.locals.com for locals. 
Viva Fry on Twitter. No, Viva Fry on Rumble. V Viva Fry on Twitter. Barnes, your Barnes underscore law on Twitter. And uh, now we're ending transmission on Rumble. The true free speech platform, people. Enjoy the rest of the night. Happy weekend. Peace out. Now, Robert, we seem to be on, if I'm going up to the tip, people, I'm going up to the tip. We're going to do these. I'm going to read them as fast as I can. Oh, if I have to load more messages, that's always a good sign. Elliot says, maybe already addressed submitting pre-show. Is SEAL Team 6 domestic kill mission even within outer perimeter? Nixon versus Fitzgerald. Hint, ultra-virus acts wouldn't count as official. SEAL hypo seems more expansion beyond relevance than reductio ad absurdum, but with all the media swooning, what are the chances it will be a fundamental part of the panel's opinion? Robert? Oh, yeah, they, they, are, they already want to. It was pre-scripted, the way the media ran with it, so there's probably even coordination behind the scenes, frankly, uh, to make sure that was going to be their mantra. Uh, the it, It's not a compelling explanation, legally or by principle. And to the credit of the Trump people, they finally embraced the argument uh, uh, I was making in the very beginning. Explain presidential immunity as a question of power and say the impeachment clause is your carve out for really, truly egregious behavior. And that's what they did to their credit. They said, this is the way it's got to work or we have an unsustainable presidency. Uh, we got Ali Michael. Everyone should listen to the testimony of Dr. McCullough. I'm gonna, we're going to listen to that. Meg, uh, Mega Man X, five bucks. Any human, any normal human being would have gotten aggravated while conversing with those pompous douchebags. Viva was constantly being interrupted, insulted, and talked down to. Good job, Viva, on standing your ground. Hope you had a drink after that. A drink? I didn't sleep the entire night after that because I was so frustrated. Plus, I, I judged myself more harshly than anybody else will judge me. Thomas Mark II, five bucks, his thoughts on citizens' arrest laws and efforts of various states to eliminate the concept. Uh, I'm not for the eliminating the concept. In Canada, the, the cops are saying don't post videos of people stealing shit off your front lawn because it might be it might be violating their privacy to steal your stuff, your packages. Bill Brown, five bucks, says still think Dorr won't ever vote Trump. No, I th I have always said Dorr is going to vote Trump. Between Trump and Biden, he's going to vote Trump. The only one who he would vote for, I think, over Biden would be RFK. So we'll see where that goes. Mrs. LaRue, five bucks, says, isn't it odd how Tucker hosted Kevin Spacey's Christmas special knowing the circumstances around the untimely deaths of Spacey's three accusers? I've been waiting for someone to take issue with this, but no one has. What do you both think? Robert, what do you think? I mean, I... I, I, he, I think he was playing... He won an interview with that character. The, the character Kevin Spacey played that's basically the Bill Clinton character. So but, I think he enjoyed that character, and, and that was it. And he doesn't care about the rest. But like I, I'm still, you know, like, what do you think of the alleged accusers, so many being dead? Like, I don't know what to I, make I of haven't it. researched it, so I can't honestly speak to it. And I know I hear things and then something, but a lot of these people are probably into drugs and very risky lifestyles in any event, and they will have a higher death rate uh, or a lower lifespan. We Sangle, that's what it says. We Sangle, five bucks, says Robert Barnes. I want to join and also donated a hundred bucks to freeamericalawcenter.com, but it seems to only allow PayPal. Can I use a credit card at Wes Angle? Yeah, just email uh, ellen.dodrell at barneslawllp.com or How go you... to the main webpage, barneslawllp.com. Go to contact, email that, and we'll send you a PayPal in, uh, law pay invoice where you can use whatever mechanism you want. Dodrill is D-O-D-R-I-L-L, -D -D correct? Yep. Ellen, say it again. Ellen dot Dodrell 
at BarnesLawLLP.com. Or just go to the Barnes Law page, webpage, go to contact, send an email through that, message through that, and we'll get to you as well. All right, and we got Get Pretty Skin. I don't know if that's an ad, but if it is, well done. Five bucks says, great seeing you guys on AJ Thursday. That was fun, Robert. We had, a, we, had a, we had a go. I forgot to mention the arrest of David Menzies on AJ, and I feel responsible. So this week, I'm going to make it up by going on The Unusual Suspects with Patrick Bet David, the whole team there. I'm going to put that story back on blast because it seems to have fallen off the radar. Thoughts on pro-Palestinian rioters nearly breaching the White House gate. and oh, with- in that insurrection? None of them will face consequence. What a crock. Load, and then it turned out General Milley was complicit in the National Guard and, uh, and, and other parts standing down and making sure that it was insecure that day. That was coordinated at the very top, January 6th. That hush-hush has aged very, very well. <laughs> Bill, a uh, Bulldog mom. Oh, Bulldog. I, I want to get a Bulldog. Listening to both of you. Love listening to both of you. $10. Thank you very much. F Sterling, five bucks. F Sterling, 91. Five bucks says, Viva. I appreciated your interview with John Burke this week. I followed him since before his ban on YouTube. I can't listen to him regularly because he's kind of obnoxious. But that's par for the course with most infantry veteran types i appreciate that he articulates very well many of the points veterans who lean libertarian small l or populist feel about getting getting lied to about iraq and afghanistan during the service his positions on desantis is unfortunate <laughs> i liked him i didn't mind him as much as the audience seemed to have minded him but i'm very i am totally not sensitive i don't mind being called names talk to i don't mind it just treat me fairly that's it and what you should do by the way is drop out after Iowa and endorse, endorse Trump, Trump immediately. That would Period. be, he could start salvaging something of a political future that way. I'm posting this entire thing to YouTube and Rumble and podcast tomorrow, so they'll hear that. Uh, Steve Britton, five bucks is strategically, is a good pick for VP, someone who is outspoken and bombastic like Vivek, or someone who is quiet and boring like Carson? I think for what Trump wants, it's going to be Carson. Because Carson's proven loyalty. He has federal executive administrative experience. He's dealt with a national campaign before. And he offers a unique demographic because he's African-American. Jeanette Victoria, five bucks. As someone who spent some time in the Ukrainian prison, I can confirm that they are not heated. And there is no... This is unfucking believable Jeanette and Ginger. For our locals things, I might just start picking people because the coordinating is very difficult. But I need to hear this, Jeanette. And I met you in person in, in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Tennessee, yep. I'm yeah. I, the, the, no medical care whatsoever. Also, the guards are allowed to uh, entertain. Say entertain by torturing the prisoners. I was beaten and locked in a closet. I was fortunate that I knew people who were friends with Yulia. I don't know if I don't want to name this name. And I was out in a few days further. I was arrested for a crime that wasn't on the books at the behest of the U.S. consulate. Unfreaking believable. Uh, scrolling down, skipping the ones that are not five bucks. I need to, we need to get to these. When Trump announced he won't have time for retribution, he was walking back from holidays, holding the deep state accountable like he did with Hillary. That's from Gray 101. Not so much. He's trying. There's a coup attempt currently that is discussed by the NBC News today where they're preemptively preparing how to circumvent Trump, assuming he gets elected and empowered in 2025. Trump is partially circumventing. Trump's not likely to seek retribution. Uh, of that kind what the the what he needs is institutional reform don't worry about the individuals that cause problems get rid of the institutions that gave those individuals power in the first place you know it'll it'll be it'll be a distinction without a difference because they're gonna say oh he's going it's 
there's nothing he can yeah, do as this long way. as he gets rid of the institutions will be good now there's always risk he doesn't follow through on that that's always a risk only fans church is clarifying harry kiri refers to the act of disemboweling oneself seppuku refers to the ritual and usually would involve decapitation after the act of a sign of mercy and radex Sikorsky is corrupt. Oh, Redex the court. I don't know who that is. Uh, Stingray, Sting, Stingway, five dollars says Bruin was the second that uh, was the right. second that Clarafield Heller. Uh, Beavis Wallace, Beavis Wallace in the house, still from McAllen, Texas, and still watching Viva Barnes. I started ordering meat from Amos Miller monthly. Does the FBI have my info? Yes. Do I need to retain Barnes? No. Love this show. Thank you very much and enjoy. We're all on the list, people. Anyone here, we have not shared your list, your contact with the FBI, but they have it because they're watching us every week. Curious George, 83, five bucks. Shouldn't every American's priority be getting rid of the Republicans and Democrats by getting rid of the first past the post system? Aren't we 200 years late in building a multi-party democracy? But I keep saying this, go look at Canada and see how well a multi-party democracy works. You just have the broader divisions. It's still left versus right. It's still a two-party system divided among five. I, it's, it doesn't get better. Rusty Gus Barnes. I got tickets for the, I got tickets for speeding while out of state. The officer offered me an option to fix it for eighty bucks to make the process matter of mailing a check, not appearing in court. The ticket was for waste of a finite resource, mind you. My gas in my car. Mind you, my gas in my car. Going down ten bucks from Tim, Florida. This is what I was waiting for. Question mark. I don't know what that means, sir. But I'm going to go to Hale, or this is L Hale or L Hall. I can't read it. Can't wait to see Noah. I'm not reading that last name. Play for WV. Is the guy's West name Virginia. K? Is it, is that his real last name? That I don't know. Okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not reading. Port- it. Everybody's going to be scared of that. But just say Kiga. I'm I'm not even saying that because that could be too easily trapped. All right, uh, that kid should help them. I'm gonna go Google that. Noah, Noah Kiga. Okay, um, Mandalici. Fanny Willis probably guilty of Rico herself. The act blew donations to her has dropped off the radar, but they exist. We got a five dollar tip. This is from Pasha Moyer. Here you go, Viva. No need to oh, shout what? down the hall. Is that Get- what? So I, I know this from the game. Did you actually hold a sign at the game? How, how did yes. that come about? The sign was Ace Ventura saying laces out. And then I got up to the front and I took the picture before I got told not to take any more pictures while the game is ongoing. And uh, it's it's on the internet. A blank slate. That's Epstein, a great, that's perfect meme. Oh, Epstein didn't kill himself. It's definitely the best one that I've seen thus far. Dreary Spider. Haley connection to Boeing goes deeper. Boeing moved from Seattle to Charleston, yeah. South Carolina based on promises from government governor haley that they would look other way with safety issues holy shit i'm posting oh, yeah. this to twitter but boeing um, put her on the board right right after she left yeah they said boeing put her on the board uh richard barris says they are a whist- there are whistleblowers ready to speak dude that's going on the interwebs after this matt hammond were you aware that boeing bypassed their engineers dude this was going on the internet afterwards their engineers according to bloomberg article and outsourced the software of the 737 max at nine dollars per hour Holy shit. I'm going to open up that window and we're going to get to that one afterwards. Uh, Mr. Mike, that's $1, but I decided already. The Durand confirmed Lira's passing. I know people have confirmed it. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I need, I need to make sure. The Ukrainian government has not yet. Nor has the State Department in America. I've, I've heard the quote, but I haven't seen a direct quote. So when right. State Department confirms it, then I'm going to go fucking ballistic. I'm sorry. I've got it lined up. I'm going to go ballistic. <sighs> Often wrong, John says, Martin 
Uh, Martin Armstrong has reported that Sunak is planning to send British troops to fight Russia in Ukraine. Will the U.S. be next? I don't think Brits will send anybody either. And then we got sh- Silver. I mean, Brits bucks. talk big, but you know, mm. they haven't been relevant in a century. <laughs> to someone I know who sees Trump uniquely responsible for his own legal trouble, how does one show that the next GOP frontrunner is in just as much danger from the rogue deep state if they're... Well, you can't make the DeSantis campaign understand that. That's what drives me crazy. Vivek understands it, and he's fighting that fight. How do you make him understand, Robert? Uh, well, they don't want to understand. So people who don't want to understand are not going to understand. Then we got Joe Maskew says this is his real name. Uh, and we got up here. Is there any historical background to the synagogue tunnels? Oh, Robert, Gray 101 says, is there any historical background to the synagogue tunnels dug in New York City? People are saying it's for human I don't know trafficking. anything about that. I just saw a headline. I know nothing otherwise. I All that I know is the controversy is allegedly it was for Jews smuggling humans and doing dirty deeds in the subway. Cause that's where, that's where it all happens. I don't want to write it off too quickly cause you can't write off anything, but that's what I understand it is. Jfish 2021. Beacon of crime. <laughs> Grown up Amish, uh, hold on. Grew up Amish in Somerset, Pennsylvania, following Amos Miller's story closely. My cousin there had a raid some years ago, almost identical to Amos Miller's situation last week. He was just a small dairy operation selling milk to his neighbors and playing with cheese making. Unbelievable. Yeah. Got- uh, they're trying to make it systemic. They went in and ordered further seizures for another 30 days. They cited no legal, ba- they cited no health or safety basis or any basis that's allowed under the statute. They think that if you don't have a permit, they can come and seize your property, even if they can't prove your property was you were trying to sell anything, which they didn't. They didn't. They didn't approve that any of the food they seized was unsafe. They didn't prove that any of the food seized necessarily belonged to Amos Miller. They didn't prove that any of the food they seized was even for sale. So it's a patently illegal order, uh, and we're figuring out uh, potential remedies as we speak. <laughs> Bards are getting to something funny here. Okay. Gag or hashed. What is this? Dash gag dash. Five bucks says, how do you like years of prisons for January 6th people who never made it into the Capitol building while Wenning Zhao, a naturalized Chinese American, got two years and 5,500 bucks for espionage against the military, putting actual people at risk to the enemy? Got to love the legal system. His bribe was 15,000 bucks, by the way. He almost made 10,000 bucks on the deal. Victor Cardone says, if Trump becomes president again, how much of, excuse me, of Biden's garbage can he fix? We'll see. Robert, this is the question. And this is going to be by Mayor Kelpa. Did Barnes make the tweet? Viva, I got to know. By all uh, accounts. It's possible. <laughs> so the, uh, for those that don't know what that is. The, uh, back in early 2022, when Trump was promoting the vaccine, I was highly critical of him. And in and somebody they claimed that I put out a tweet that said he hired he's responsible for fa- hiring Fauci. Uh, I, I didn't find that tweet in my own Twitter feed, so it's possible that because there was different things I put out there that later I took. I, sometimes at the same time I took back. But whoever's sharing that it, the it's the DeSantis camp has been sharing that, and they've been sharing it in a. De- the deliberately deceptive and misleading manner because they know of my criticism on this topic and that I went through last year in great detail the actual history of Trump and Fauci and that Trump was much more critical of Fauci than DeSantis ever was. And that while I'm still critical of how I share Robert Kennedy's criticism, he said Trump had the right instincts, but then he capitulated to the administrative state. And he and you can't do it. If you do so, 
you you won't get done what needs to get done. And I agree with him on that. The uh, but it, even more information has come out since then that Trump was actually uh, I mean, what's her name put out? She was actually quoted. Uh, Francis, whatever, said that Trump was on to her about a month in and was hot at her, hot at Fauci, hot at all of them. And they were at war with each other all the way through. During a time period, by the way, when DeSantis was still saying nice stuff about Fauci and his own Fauci guy was there until 2021 of September. So the uh, so these people are trying to quote misleading quotes out of context that I'm not Robert, sure Robert, Robert, are, I'm still not sure it's an actual well, tweet of mine because I, I don't remember it. I'll tell I'm going to share this here. First of all, I don't care if you made the flipping tweet. Oh, hold on a second. Let me see. I don't care if you made the tweet. So. I, I, the tweet is, here it is. I think this is it. Remember who put Fauci in charge of COVID response policy in 2020? Donald Trump did. Okay, first of all, big fucking deal. I'm going to swear here because I read this tweet. It's like, okay, the tweet doesn't make sense. I don't really care about the impact of the tweet. And I want to just know if Barnes did it. So I go and I'm looking. I go to your timeline from tw that day on that month. I see no tweet and no deleted tweet. Okay. Then I go to reverse image search and I say, when did that image first appear on the internet? It only first appeared in 2023. Okay, fine. Then I put in the exact phraseology of that tweet. And the only person who ever said it, I have to add it now, was actually uh, Mac Warlord Max. I don't know who this person is. And so he's the one, let me, I, I'm, I, dude, it, it's so fantastic how this actually hit, hit the, hit, it went crazy. The only, the first time the phraseology appears on the internet from my search is him tweeting it because I made a mistake and I, and I, I document my own mistakes. Where is it here? It's only him in, in July, 2020, whatever. So I was like, holy crap, this guy, uh, tweeted out the words. And then I said, the only thing I can make sense of is he put it in a doctored image of Barnes saying it and then ran with it. Turns out, okay, so look, there's an archive link. Some people are saying the archive link uh, is not your original account because some things yeah. don't match up. I'm not, I'm not going to go Plus, there. I don't remember it, and it doesn't quite sound like me. No, but that uh, doesn't matter. So <laughs> I can't rule it out because the there were various things I said at the time about Trump that I did ultimately mod correct. Uh, the uh, But it's not like anybody uh, didn't know that I was critical <laughs> of no. Trump during 2020. I was so, but it'd be like, for example, summer 2020. I go on a political betting podcast, sports betting podcast, and say I would bet against Trump because of how he's handled the pandemic. I think it's going to backfire on him politically. Imagine if they only ran that quote. There's people right now, uh, and not later, that he had done enough that he should win in an honest election. The, uh, uh, or it, uh, there are people right now running a quote claiming I was behind organizing January 6th to become a riot. Right, they're completely deliberately misquoting a whole bunch of stuff. Forget that we we were live the day of. I remember. So. Yeah, exactly. It's absurd. But the so the DeSantis camp has been deliberately dishonest about this. Is where uh, Dave Rubin, I get it. In his world, somehow only the Trump people are problems. Then Dave is like not paying attention because to the rest of us that have had to deal with this, the DeSantis camp has been one of the most dishonest groups of people on social media in the world. It's the DeSantis camp currently lying to Trump supporters in Iowa to suppress the vote. You know, Steve Dace and all the rest can get off their moral high horse. They're on the side of the side that takes secret bribes like the so-called evangelical leader of Iowa, $100,000 to help back DeSantis and pretended he never took money for anything. 
that that guy's been a grifter from day, day one. Steve Dace is in bed with grifters and posers and hustlers He's... and the career professional class. And oh, that, and I could be because the first person to really push this was Christina, uh, uh, whatever her name is, the, P- the what we call a plastic surgery and Pusha. And I was like, I don't remember that, but it actually they, they should have kept me. They shouldn't have reminded me that they were spreading this disinformation out there trying to say I was anti-Trump and blame Trump for everything related to Fauci. Because at that time, I went into massive Twitter threads. I said, let's do the real history. Over 100 articles of Trump being critical of Fauci between April and June of 2020, at which point DeSantis didn't say one negative word about Fauci while he had his Fauci boy. Contra Steve Dace lied to everybody, told him, oh, he had fired his Fauci guy. No, he didn't. I went on Steve's show, and Steve's show didn't didn't dispute that anymore when I said he had that guy until the fall of 2021. I get people wanting to relitigate COVID. I'm not the guy to try to relitigate it against because unlike DeSantis, unlike Trump, some of us were against everything from day one, and we remember who was where and who was what. And so I'm skeptical still that that's a, uh, that doesn't even sound like me, frankly. But Robert, Robert. putting all that aside, these people are part of a dishonest campaign that's constantly dishonest that I have exposed on repeated occasions. And then they go into and they're so delusional. You should see when I pretty I said, look, DeSantis is probably going to drop out. They're saying, well, what are you going to do, Barnes, when DeSantis wins Iowa? And it's like, are you that dumb or are you that delusional? I will be so glad Monday night if DeSantis just gets crushed because it will end that whole insanity. These people have wasted a year supporting a kamikaze campaign, killing their own favorite candidate, destroying his political legacy. I get Dave, you know, Ruben being, but quit pretending that the DeSantis camp are all these pristine moral icons and it's the Trump camp no, the, 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 all the, the ar- bad people in it. The argument is that, uh, first of all, I believe Dave, Dave Rubin and Will Chamberlain are the two sincere ones. The argument is that- the, Oh, and, the, and, both, and both of them are sincere. Yeah, no, but-, but the, the, the bad judgment, they encouraged someone to run that was a complete disaster. They've damaged their own political credibility in ways they're never going to fully recover from, just like Steve Dace. Um, and everybody that jumped on, look at- like th- that's where you people you know have their criticisms of Mike Cernovich. Cernovich can read a room. Cernovich <laughs> early on was like, mm, okay, no, the game has changed. Got to back Trump because of the circumstances. DeSantis is an idiot. Um, and how they couldn't is beyond me. But there's so many dishonest people in the DeSantis camp. The John Cardillos of the world, all the rest. Look, if you want to advocate for your guy, advocate for your guy. Don't pretend I'm advocating for your guy. I mean, could be because I'm not. Um, and so. Uh, that that's my take on all that. Um, I, I just want to, I, I'll just bring it up. I'm going to highlight my own, I, I, I'm my own mea culpa, which was, I couldn't find the tweet, Robert. I still haven't found the tweet. Max Warlord is the account. No, Max Nordeau allegedly provided an archive link and I'm not in a position to contradict an archive link. You said the tweet, big deal. I just said, Max Nordeau, the only time I ever saw that tweet Guess who appointed Fauci in 2020? Trump did. The first time I saw that tweet appear on the internet was a week before the screenshot of you. So if I, I anyways, I apologize. I've done my, Max. Man, it's like if, much ado over nothing. Of what, I know, no, but, no, no, but no. the guy's being dishonest. He, he's trying to pretend. It doesn't matter. If you that, said it, 
If you said it, you said it. He's he's being dishonest. I mean, he's still being – if I take cherry pick one – it's like when they take a Trump quote out of complete context and strip it of all and then say, oh, this is what – that's being dishonest. It doesn't matter how you're being dishonest. The means or method by which you're being dishonest, that guy's being dishonest. And the whole DeSantis camp is. And they've been now for a year. And that's why I'll be glad when they're done. I'll be glad when he's finished. Uh, Uh, They they took people that were otherwise sympathetic towards DeSantis and have turned them in – DeSantis's negatives are now far higher than Trump's. That's how badly they destroyed his career. Robert, I'll say uh, the tweet is irrelevant. From my perspective, I was just so happy. I was like, holy shit, I, I cracked the code. I solved it. This guy tweeted it. It didn't get engagement. And then he says, I'm going to loop it over and put it over with Barnes's face. Anyway, you said it. I don't, it's not even that bad of a tweet. It doesn't matter. Okay, so the answer is, Undetermined, if anybody can verify archive Twitter archives, go check the link out, Max Nordo. And if there's concrete evidence, I apologize for no reason. I'll apologize for apologizing for no reason. Okay. Oh, Robert, we got, we got, we got D, uh, D. Landis says five bucks. After I asked the State Department to revise the statement on the Gonzalo Lira, they declined. They have since changed their minds. Here's what the State Department spokesman said. We can confirm the death of the U.S. citizen, uh, Gonzalo. We offer our sincerest condolences. We stand ready to provide. Okay. I just, I need, I don't know what evidence I need, but I'll, I'll know when I see it. Quarter native, five bucks. I'm the one who sent you the DM of the archive saying it was false. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, quarter native. I told you I need better evidence than that. I, can, I cannot fight a false archive link without knowing better. Screen grab, I'll talk to you afterwards. Joe Maskew, not only is that Noah's real name, I heard he took a trip to West Virginia to see about his university. College football is not ready for this. His name is K-N-I-G-G-A. Okay, we got AG Biochemist. Viva my new Bronco sport that I bought this week. I'm going to share something on Locals when we leave. It's the unveiling of the Viva Fry Red Bronco uh, soft top. Uh, so I can't see anything anymore here. Um, Bill Brown says, remember when Pratt and Whitney sold their engines to China illegally? I don't remember any of that. On my feet, 15 bucks says, can we start a class action lawsuit against the state pen for the food we paid for Amos Miller? Oh, for the, against the state of Pennsylvania. We're, we're looking at that. Yep. Okay. And we got, uh, this is his real, that is his real name. Holy shit. What an unfortunate real name in this day and age. Not as much uh, as Nicholas Cage's as we pay. No, no. Uh, K-N-I-G-G-A. I cannot imagine a more unfortunate. What am I supposed to say? Kiga? Kiga? Just Kiga. Just Kiga. But there's an there's an N in there that I'm just ignoring. It's like Yeah, I'm assuming it's not pronounced. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Um, okay. It, generally, if K is before the N, the N is not pronounced in most. No. In fact, generally, the K before the N, the K is not K is pronounced. Not it's a knife, not a knife. I'm not. I'm, oh, you're right. Jesus. You're right. Robert, I can't even do it. All right. Um, speaking of racial intolerance, Harvard. There's a class action lawsuit against Harvard, against the administration for not enforcing anti-Semitic policies. I'm, I, I'm Jewish, everybody, if you guys don't know. I'm Jewish, you'd never know, but for the fact that people remind me that I'm Jewish all the time. I don't like lawsuits based on race, religion, identity, ethnicity. I find them, they, I find they promote more of the problem than they resolve. That being said, I heard, what's her name? Claudine Gay was Harvard. Harvard clearly has a double standard. You misgender someone, you're gonna get kicked out of university. You call 
you call Ellen Page, Ellen Page, you're going to get kicked out of university. But you say genocide to Jews, and well, it's context dependent. There's a class action lawsuit against the university for uh, unequal application of the rules. I'm very sensitive to this, not because it has anything to do with Jews, because it has to do with goddamn leftist hypocrisy. Robert, yeah. what do you say? It's saying? a Title VI claim, and they're, that, that, that's precisely their point. What's the Title VI? The point VI? is there's, there's like, if, if you had consistent free speech rules, it would be one thing, but you don't. You, you say that you cannot make life difficult for any group, and you create 125 different groups that are protected. And then, but the only group you don't protect are the Jews. And they pointed out you also really don't really protect Christians, and there's other groups that you allow discrimination against as well. But you're clearly allowing the most direct anti-bullying. Uh, yeah, there's anti-bullying principle of bullying. What the, what classically fits the Harvard's definition of bullying that they say is prohibited. They're saying unless it's the Jews, then, then you can then you can violate this policy. That violates Title VI because Harvard takes close to a billion dollars a year from the federal government by hook or by crook, and so it's uh, they got pretty robust claim. And I think it's another example where the wokesters getting into bed with the Islamist is not going to be a happy marriage. It's going to be like that gay guy in the Palestine in Gaza this week who got beheaded for being gay. I did not Welcome hear I, to a diversity, equity, inclusion, Gaza style. I did not hear of this. I have no reason to doubt it. Um, but um... I mean, they brag about it there. Now, I always love it when the lefty women woman journalist was interviewing the Taliban if the Taliban came in power, and she was asking about you know what about women having certain rights, and they're like, <laughs> and she didn't know what to do. She's like, like, well, welcome to the world, Donnie darling. <laughs> uh, what else do we have, Robert, that we have not done yet by way of lawsuits? Or so mention way- Harvard, mention Amos Miller. Yeah. COVID insurance coverage courts are still doing it the same way. They're basically saying. Uh, no insurance coverage unless it's some. So, like people are saying, "Hey, look, this was an that this COVID caused this problem, and oh, it fits yeah, under yeah. the physical injury because it actually the virus was physically present in our building." Courts are protecting insurance companies are saying that doesn't count, and so that pattern continues. But if you are subject to a lockdown, then that might trigger financial loss, health insurance loss. Some of those things are allowing com- com- uh, compensation for but not for most of the big damages that were caused. Uh, so a lot of businesses just got flat screwed. Government shut them down, and insurance is not covering them. Uh, big uh, homeless rights case that we've been talking about this yeah, for a while. Right, the, one that, the Ninth the, Circuit just reinforced it, but some people went kind of nuts because I guess they didn't realize it because the dissenting judge pointed out that the effect of the decision currently is if you're homeless in San Francisco, you can sleep anywhere you want in a public place without it being a crime. And uh, that judge wants the anti-vagrancy laws to be back and says, you know, anti-vagrancy laws have been considered constitutional for a long time under the Eighth Amendment. And that's true. But I haven't agreed with that. Uh, I think a lot of those laws have been problematic from the get go, uh, because when someone is involuntarily in their position to treat that involuntary position as a crime, I don't agree with. And so I think that's that's where that's going. And Ninth Circuit is still sticking with that. Uh, the other two was uh, uh, websites. Ninth Circuit protects in Google. They love to protect big tech out there. So when Google was stealing and using copies of websites for its own marketing and advertising, website owners sued. 
Ninth Circuit said, ah, you don't have any property interest in your website copy because they said in order for you to have a trespass to chattels claim, you have to have a precise definition of what it is that constitutes property. It must be you, you must be capable of exclusive possession of it and you must have a legitimate claim to that exclusive possession. And their claim is that copies of websites are not within your are not sufficiently precise in its definition, are not sufficiently exclusive, either legitimately by claim or by capability uh, for you to be able to claim any property interest in the copies of your own website. Uh, I thought that was an interesting definition of property, but it reflects really the big tech bias of the Ninth Circuit. I'm going to read the last of the chats. Alaskan 737 getting internet antenna system installed. Notice they're using notice they're using for access. Aircraft in a recent incident began having pressurization issues after having this work done. That's from Fedge, F-E-D-J, $5. Thank you. We got Geg Barnes. What were you what will you do in your first week as Trump's attorney general? Or would you prefer press secretary? We got Fire Rick, everybody. <laughs> fire and Oh, never mind. I can't even say it. Uh, we got Ricks 37397. If Trump wins, what are the odds we get RFK for Secretary of HHS Health and Health and uh, Human? I don't think you'll get a cabinet position, but you might get a special commission on vaccines. And then we got Ithaca 37 Cato. Will we? Will you do a hush hush on Alejandro Mayorkas and his possible connections to the illegal immigrant nonprofits? That goes all the way back to his cartel ties in California, maybe. Samantha J. Barons, your Barons, your tweets, your tweet issue is similar to those digging up Brett Weinstein's tweet. This is why I don't delete anything unless there's a damn good reason. But I I document deleting it because I, well, I delete anything that the I that I no longer agree with. So I mean that that's what I delete. Yeah, but that I, I, I don't like that. remember that some of these statements they're it attributing does, to me. I'm like that doesn't even sound like that. I, granted, if I'd never deleted anything, then I wouldn't be in a position of them being able to fake. Fake yeah, that's what I say. Don't delete. Don't delete. And if you yeah. do delete, document the deletion. Brett Weinstein doesn't, but look at how they misuse it against him. <laughs> uh, and we got the DeSantis Sims were the crew, the cruise crew from 2016, same actors. They were discussing then and discussing Massive now. grift. They just cashed in big time. That's well, Hunt. as Trump said, he holds the Bible high, then he puts it down and he starts to lie. <laughs> <laughs> we got... <clears throat> Sorry, we got Tenai. Hi from Alberta. I just came into the stream. Have you considered having Dell Bigtree? <clears throat> excuse me. And oh, Aaron definitely. C Dell Bigtree is now the spokesperson for the Kennedy campaign. Yeah, I got uh, uh, I've talked to him in person. We, we've we've I, we have an open invite to him. No, to participate in, a thousand in, in percent. I'll, I'll get the, uh, uh, well, I want to you know better bachelor might be another guy we have on Cheryl Atkinson open invite would oh, love yeah. to have her on thousand uh, percent Laura Logan open invite love to have her on I'll have Laura Loomer on because oh, I, I want to talk to Laura Loomer the, those uh, wonderful guys who went up and gave DeSantis a participation trophy <laughs> I don't like it but it's not that big of a beautiful. deal the way that guy walked up there totally you know, hey how you doing I just want to tell everybody we have a participation trophy here for DeSantis but if, I was if, like, it was perfect they yeah but you know, you know what would have been perfect like I it's always it's easy to say what I would have done. I would have said, if I'm dissent, it's like, hey, thanks a lot. You need this more than me, sir. Bam, checkmate, bitches. But you, he He's not sharp or smart quick enough for that. Instead, he had to have his wife step and <laughs> try to get in front and try to do something. It was pitiful. Those when when, pitiful. when are we going to... he never became president. This guy turned out to be a wuss time 10. When are we going to know the results from Iowa tomorrow? Uh, depends on what shenanigans go on tomorrow. Okay. Robert, we're going to end this. Everybody who's watching, thank you. Uh, I've got to talk to Robert about, I don't know, what, what stuff coming up. We've got to plan some stuff. 
everyone, thank you for yeah, being this, here. This week, we'll, uh, I hope this week we'll have an announcement about a, fi- a special fundraiser for Free America Law Center. My 50th birthday party in Las Vegas in April. We'll have the dates and everything find it, uh, fine-tuned for, for uh, the send out the invites. It will be our, our definite one event of the year. Might have others, but definitely this one. And the uh, and the primary goal is to raise money for Free America Law Center. Well, shit, Robert. Now I've got to start looking into a fifty-year-old Scotch. I'm gonna see if it exists. Oh, that'd be a great gift right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sh- I'm committed. Marion, yeah. McAllen fifty <laughs> in particular is really nice. All right, everybody. Good night. We will. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you this week. Robert, stick around. We'll say proper goodbyes. This will be on podcast tomorrow. On YouTube tomorrow. Full thing on. Rumble, including the after show. Good night. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Peace out.